on today's show. We are getting to know Johnny. But first, promos and pleases. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up, Andre Psyche, and add a little creative inspiration to your social media circle. Listeners, listen up. Get 25% off your order at ShadyRays.com by using the promo code GETTING. Use GETTING when checking out to get 25% off on the best sunglasses around. Shady Rays takes extreme pride in their multi-layered lens technology, which is made for high visibility and strength, making it shatter-resistant. Go get you a pair or two by going to ShadyRays.com, perusing their polarized sunglasses, then using the promo code GETTING when you check out. It'll save you 25% on your order. Please subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod on whatever app you're listening on. Please give a five-star rating. Please take some time to write a review. Please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on social media. Pretty, pretty, please tell someone about the pod. All of your clicking, linking, sharing, rating, reviewing, starring, tagging, and simple old school speaking about the pod is greatly appreciated. And now... Getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. Johnny, man, thanks for answering my message, coming on the pod. Looks like we're a couple dads with backward baseball caps going to uh, shoot the shit for a little <laughs> bit, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate being here. Yeah, it, it was funny because you just started telling me, but in the messages, it was something about I've been waiting for a platform to get on to kind of like share my story was one of your replies. Yeah. And I get excited when people get excited about sharing their stories. And apparently yours deals with psychedelics. So let's, I guess, maybe start from the beginning about how you became kind of passionate about psychedelics. Yeah. Well, the reason I became passionate about psychedelics is that I was passionate about other drugs, especially methamphetamine. <laughs> and uh, I was, uh, I was, I had uh, started doing meth when I was about 14 years old. And uh, from there on, I, I did it till I was probably about 27, but I really became severely addicted to methamphetamine probably in my about 19 years old and from there i mean i suffered through homelessness uh i would steal everything around me just to be able to get high uh i would write bad checks i'd uh um <laughs> basically screw over anybody around me just to be able to get high for a day and uh i mean i was i was really really bad and um at, at, to a certain point though i feel like um, going through that experience um it was necessary for me in order to like get where I am today. Uh, but it was definitely through the help of psychedelics that I was able to break that cycle. Did you say 14 to 27 on meth? Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea someone could do meth for that long and not die. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, I, I, I don't, I don't, not that like I want to talk good about it, but I, I, it's meth for it in itself is not as dangerous as like opiates. 
and uh, you really? know you'd have to do a lot of yeah you have to smoke especially if you smoke it it's not it's not gonna I mean it's I mean it's not gonna not it's gonna harm you but it's not gonna you're not you have a very low chance of ODing on it just smoking meth if you're shooting up meth that's different but most people I knew smoked it um uh, which is the most popular way of doing it um but you know there's but there was plenty of people who also shoot it up and, and shoot it up with other with other drugs too but um but yeah it's not you know if you're just smoking it it's honestly it's you're you're pretty good at not ODing on it um the only meth exposure i have is maybe like mug shots in the local f like newspaper and breaking back yeah so yeah. like Walter White, yeah. You know, Jesse. Yeah, you know the funny thing is that when I was homeless and everything, people would tell me, "Man, you don't, you don't, you're like the only homeless person that doesn't look like one." And, you know, <laughs> and honestly, I would, I would like at least like change and and try and take bird baths, you know, at gas stations and stuff. Um, but you know, uh, how can I explain it? It's it's there's a lot of uh, people that want to say like oh it's gonna make your your teeth rot out right. <clears throat> it's gonna make this and this happen I don't know if that's necessarily true all I do know is that when you become a drug addict your hygiene goes to the shitter sometimes there's a lot of people that just lose all hygiene and I was one of those you know where um you know you you stop taking showers you stop brushing your teeth and so you think about it uh, an addict hardly has any money. Uh, you know, uses all their money for drugs, so they don't have money for water. They don't have money for stuff that's good for you. So they go, if they're thirsty, they go on and get a soda. They go and get something sugary. And and the, and the meth, it dries your mouth out. So you're drinking the sugar, you're drinking this, you're eating bad. And then once you do come down from the meth and you're asleep at night, you're usually breathing with your mouth open. And that's worth for your teeth too. So it's mostly the lack of like hygiene and all that, where if you kept all that up, You'd probably be okay. You probably wouldn't go through teeth loss and cavities and all that. You know, <clears throat> is it like being a functioning alcoholic? I, I know you said you were like homeless and a drug addict, but like, I, I can't imagine, man. Thirteen years is a long <laughs> yeah, it's a long time, right? Um, you know, it, it, I was not I was not functioning at all. To be honest with you, I hardly ever had a job. Like, if I worked, it would be to like make twenty bucks, and I and I'd probably take leave early just so I could go pick up. You know. Um, yeah, uh, so that wasn't, I, I didn't function as a, as a person in society. I, I never held down a job. Um, you know, I was even married when I, when this was happening to like my high school sweetheart and, you know, we ended up getting divorced and, and, you know, like I said, math will just make you lose everything because it becomes all you can think about and all you care about. Like, you don't, you know, as much as you love someone else, you don't, it doesn't really matter to you. You know, like you're just thinking about, you know, how can I get more math tomorrow? You know? Um, you know, what, what do I got to do? And, and honestly, I mean, I've seen people that believe it or not, there's a lot of people. All right. So there's like basically two types of drug addicts. One drug addict is the one that knows they're a drug addict. They don't like being a drug addict, but they just go ahead and be a drug addict. You know, they don't do anything about it, but in their conscience, they, they, they hate it. You know, they don't like it and they wish they could, they wish they could stop, but they just don't. Oh, or, or, you know, cause like, or, you know, there they would they would wish to find a way to get out of it, but they but they don't. They continue to be a drug addict. And then there's some drug addicts and some homeless people, and I tell you, I met a lot of them that love being a drug addict. They would never even consider getting off of drugs. It, it's like no, I would never do it. I love this life so much, and it's such a bizarre thing. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't understand. 
Um, but there's people out there who love it and, and don't want us to stop being homeless and don't want to stop being a drug addict. They would rather die than, than change. And, you know, and, and I tell you, there's a, a lot of those people, that's how they are. And, you know, they love me. They love, uh, you know, doing scams and, and, uh, you know, stealing from people and it just, it, it drives them. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I would say, you know, it's at least 50, 50, you know? It sounds, of, of, of drug addicts, yeah. Sounds like almost a, like an adrenaline junkie. Like it's its own <laughs> separate high that they get off on. I, I, yeah, I don't know. But I just, for me though, it was, for me, um, I wasn't like that. Like I would, you know, wake up and every day I'd be wondering like, when am I going to stop? When am I going to stop? You know, like, is this, and, and the older you get, the more you're just like, dude, like, when is this going to end? Like, you know, like, come on, like, what what, what has to happen? And honestly, if it wasn't for psychedelics, I think I would be in prison right now because it was just getting that bad where I was writing, uh, like I said, writing bad checks, forging signatures, you know, for like 600 bucks just to, that would be gone in like two days, you know, uh, <laughs> just getting high, you know. Jesus. Uh, and so, yeah, it was crazy. Dude, and do you mind, and I had no idea that you were um, dealt with meth addictions previously. Do you mind if we talk about this and just so yeah. I can get a little more yeah. understanding of it? For sure, um, yeah. So I'm a little bit of a linear thinker. So I always get curious about origin stories and like how things start and then progress. Right, right. So was this just yeah, like you know, and uh, honestly, yeah, yeah, honestly, that has a lot to do with what you're talking about. Like, there is a reason why I realized, and and the psychedelics helped show me that as to why I was addicted. You know, um, so I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, uh, yeah, that was. Oh. I, I think that's one of the main things is that. Um, and I don't want to say like my life that was abused or you know anything, but we grew up in a very. Um, a very, you know, rigid, very strict household. Um, and honestly, I'll be, and I mean, to be quite honest, uh, when you're a part of the religion and you're like doing everything you should be doing in the religion and all that, it's, it's, it's awesome. Like you have so much community, you have so much uh, brotherhood, but the moment you slack off, the moment something you do, something that you shouldn't be doing, it, that that's over and done with. That community is no longer your friends, you know, they're no longer your family. But at the same time, um, growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, you're not allowed to have friends in school, you know, like your real friends are the friend, are the people in the church. The people outside of the church are not really your friends. You know, they're your acquaintances. They're not real friends because real friends worship Jehovah. Right. So you're not allowed. So like I could never go to like, hey, mom, I'm going to go to Billy's house, you know, or I'm going to go to Gabriel's house. Like, no. Are they Jehovah's Witnesses? No. Then you can't go there. You can't be associating with them. Right. So there was never like really anybody my age that I could get close to, you know, um, if there was one other person and I won't, you know, and it doesn't even matter if I mention his name, but I won't, but, um, they moved to a different congregation, which is basically, you know, uh, like the church is so huge that they have to separate it in congregations, you know? Okay. Um, so he moved to another one. We lost track and honestly he was like a bully in school. Um, so I wasn't even like interested in being his friend. So I had no friends growing up, you know, uh, I was always a chunky kid. So, uh, I, you know, was picked on a lot. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, I, I had no friends in, in school, no friends in the church because there's no kids in the church, you know, for, you know, just, you know, not, not for any reason other than just people didn't have kids. Um, but finally, like about when I was uh, 13, 14 years old, um, this family that we all knew, came, uh, moved into our congregation. And they had a son whose name was also Jonathan. Oh. 
right? And he was uh, he was actually actually uh, quite a few years older than me. I was probably I was like fourteen. He was like eighteen, nineteen. Okay. Right, but he was a cool. He was like the cool guy, you know. <laughs> and he had and he had privileges in a congregation, and and if you to like what uh, what that means is that in the congregation there's certain titles that the men get, and that's kind of like a ranking, you know. And so he was like, you know, one of the lower ranking, but you know, for his age, it was like, oh, impressive, you know. He you know he's doing good spiritually, supposedly. Um, so my my family had no problem with me hanging out with him, but when I did start hanging out with him, it turns out this guy was crazy, you know. Like this guy was like a party animal, you know. This guy would go to the clubbing in Me in Mexicali in Mexico. He was banging this girl, that girl, and he was doing crystal. Right, so me trying to impress Jonathan, I was like, "Yeah, I'm down to do that too." You know, like I'm, even though I'm only a kid, and <laughs> you know, and so he introduced me to Crystal, and so we were do we were, and honestly, I didn't get addicted that, during that time because um, what I come to learn is that addiction is actually like a a, a mental uh, you know blockage or, or something, some, a mental affliction that's causing you to to become like I need this right. Okay. But when I would do it with him, it was just for fun. It was like there was no reason for me to do it. It was just something that was cool, and you know. <clears throat> so you know, we would have smoked meth maybe like once a week, you know, and and the other days I'd be just fine, not even thinking about getting high, you know. Um, and so eventually, though, he moves away and he gets married, and so that from that point where he moves away, I'm like 16 at that time. I stopped doing meth completely because I would only get it with him. Right. And I would. So when he moved away, meth stopped, stopped for me. I think I maybe did it like once or twice. <clears throat> um, but then finally I start going, I meet my my ex soon to be ex-wife or, or, you know, in high school. We fall in love. We get married. Uh, or, well, actually, before that, um, she leaves me and I'm going through like this horrible depression. Like, I have no idea how to deal with this uh, heartache and this loss of, of this girl that, I, you know, no one's ever loved me before like that, you know? Gosh, I was no, I never that. felt like, yeah, no, I never sorry. felt like I had this with anybody else, right? This, um, mm -hmm. where, like I said, I had never had a girlfriend, I had never had nothing. So it was just like, oh, wow, like, this is amazing, you know, like, I'm, I'm finally wanted by somebody. And then she dumps me, you know, and it's like, like oh, my, and I could, I could not handle it. I felt like I was going to die. How soon did you meet her after Johnny leaving? Um, you know, he was already gone. He was already moved out. I met her when I was about a senior in high school. I was about 17 years old. Uh, yeah. I guess what I'm and thinking... So I was, and actually, yeah, so at that point, I was doing good. I was actually like, you know, a good little member of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I would go and help out in construction projects that they'd have. Because my dad um, was a, knew all about cement. And, you know, he's the one that taught me everything I knew about construction. Okay. And so it was going great, you know. And um, So all this finally, with Johnny... I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like all yeah. this with Johnny, the party and the drugs, y'all never got found out by the church? Like there, no, there was never, no. <laughs> never. It's, it's, it's a, people had their suspicion. My sister had her suspicion, but she was also up to no good too. So she really couldn't <laughs> say nothing, you know? <laughs> 
So, um, you know, she wanted, I, I, she wanted to say something, but you know, it was never, there was never anything there that you could like, hey, like this is solid evidence, you guys. And nobody, and honestly, the adults never suspected anything. They just believed, like, no, there's no way, you know, like you're just because you know, because she had, she had been found out. So people were just like, you're just trying to get them in trouble now because you're in trouble, you know. But you guys, so, so that's you how guys, that happened. You guys never felt guilty sitting in there hearing all the sermons like it never weighed <laughs> on your heart you're conscious enough to confess you know what the thing is though you can't we all know as always witnesses we all know the moment you confess shit's gonna hit the fan and like you're you're some things can things are gonna go these are gonna happen you know it's not like a catholic church where you go and confess and nobody knows who you are and you're you know it's anonymous and you just do a hell mary no you gotta go in front of like the the congregation the elders is what they're called they're like the elders are the head of each congregation and you gotta talk to them, and then they decide if you're repentant or not, and and uh, then they'll decide what to do with you. And so maybe they'll do nothing, or maybe they'll disfellowship you, which is the worst because disfellowshipping is you're nobody can talk to you, nobody can uh, speak with you, they can't even say hi to you. Like basically, only your, if if you're living with your family, then they can talk to you. But if you're not living with them, then they can't even talk to you. You know. Oh my God, dude, I had no idea. So yeah, so there's a lot of, there's like even, I I can't remember if I ever did feel like guilty, like, like, oh man, I wish I need to come clean about this. Um, I want to say I didn't, to be honest with you. (laughs) But even if I did, I wouldn't have done it because I already knew that, I already knew what would happen, you know? But, um, you know, eventually in the story though, that that does kind of happen with other things. Um, because like I was mentioning with the, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I didn't want to make you feel like you had to skip ahead. I'm just, I'm very unfamiliar with the Jehovah's witness, like culture. So when I think of religion, I honestly, I guess I'd look at it through the Christian lens of forgiveness and like Jesus dying for your sins type thing. And I feel like the conviction, but Jehovah, if that's the consequence, it would be like, why would anyone ever fess up to any sin to be excommunicated, yeah. like that's a weird <laughs> yep. power dynamic. Well, yeah, and you're completely it's completely reasonable what you're saying. But the thing is, nobody really know, nobody knows what goes on behind those closed doors because it's a private it's a private um, meeting that you have with them, right? Okay. So what you're told what you're told will happen is not what happens, uh, and that's part of the whole um, cult uh, the cult uh, rules, you know. Um, I forget who wrote it, but there's like this, uh, and I can't even remember the acronym anymore. Oh, it's called the bite model. The bite model is, uh, for what cults do to control people. And, uh, and they pretty much do everything, single one of them. And one of them is they control information. So like they'll, what they, they'll tell you one thing, but, but once you're there to face it, it's actually a whole other deal, you know, but everyone is, but since it's private, Nobody will believe you and you'll say, hey, this is going on behind closed doors, you know, because they're all told something else from from the leadership, you know. So who are they going to believe? The sinner who is just, you know, or, or the people who, who write the, the, the booklets. When you're saying close, and I was just Googling BITE model. So BITE stands for behavior, information, thought, and emotional control. Yeah. Um, Stephen Hassan's bite model. Yeah, Stephen Hassan, yeah. Assange, authoritarian <laughs> yeah. control. When you're saying behind closed doors, so for example, if you were feeling like you needed to confess after a Mexicali yeah. weekend of doing yeah. crystal and whatever. <laughs> right. Um, so you would get you would state that to 
a like a priest one-on-one the yeah. priest would maybe say hey this is fine then you go in front yeah. of the congregation and they completely embarrass you and excommunicate you yeah so how that goes is that so it depends on what you do like if you are like hey you know i started making out with this one girl and nothing else happened but we made out which is a no-no if you're not you're not married right you shouldn't be doing those things because that could lead to sex right but let's suppose that that's all it was and it's supposed it was even with a girl who's not a jehovah's witness so even more reason to go and confess, right? Um, what would happen most likely is uh, at that point, probably nothing would happen if you didn't do anything else. But they would probably sit maybe like you. So, okay. So first of all, you would go to like the elder you trust the most or that you're more comfortable with and be like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Depending on how cool he is, he might just like give you advice and leave it at that, right? Uh, or he might be like, well, okay, let's do a little what they call a shepherding call. So two people might go, right, and and give you a talk, give you a little tech talk, read you some scriptures to help you to understand. Hey, you, sh- you shouldn't be doing this, you know. Okay, now if something like did happen where like you were groping her or she, you know, went down on you or something, then that would be means the same process. You go and talk to somebody, and then they would have to go and relay that to to the other group of elders there. Each congregation has about five elders. So once they once they're made aware of it, they'll schedule what's called a, a judicial meeting, where it's going to be at least three of them, right? They'll they'll choose who it will be, um, and it probably won't even include the one you went and talked to because they don't want any bias in it, right? If he's like your favorite one and you guys have a relationship, they're not going to include him in it, right? <clears throat> so you'll schedule the meeting and even if you're underage like as as long as you're not maybe like 10 years old or 11 years old they're they're not going to include your parents like if you're 14 15 your parents aren't going to be in the room with you and so and like i said it's behind closed doors and right there they're going to ask you everything they want to go into detail like specific detail like where were you what time of day was it why were you there how long have you known her blah, blah 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 like how how did it all start Making you so, and and, I, and this goes for anybody's sin, especially sexual. So you can you can imagine people who actually like like women who actually go through like uh, you know uh, sexual encounters that yeah. they don't you know they have to really go into. I've I've even heard stories of them having to tell them what kind of under there they were wearing. You know, so it's it's pretty bizarre. But um, so at that point, if you don't know how to play the system. Of what to, if you don't, or basically, if you don't know what to say, um, like let's suppose this is something that happened multiple times already, you know, like 10, 20 times this happened, and now you finally came out and you're sad about it and you, and you want to confess. Um, pretty much, if you don't know what to say, you're gonna get this fellowship, you're gonna get this fellowship no matter what. Um, uh, and 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 like I said, that goes in contrary to what everyone else is told in the literature that they read, you know. Oh, so the yeah. and I'm not even sure. Is it a Bible? What's the like the the the, the canon? Well, so like the main the main literature is like the Watchtower magazine. Okay. Uh, and 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 then they have other books, but every Sunday that's what we study is their Watchtower magazine. And the Watchtower and magazine every, like preaches forgiveness or speaks about yeah, you know, it, 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 it's basically an indoctrination setting. Like it is, it's mostly just relaying the the doctrine of the of the church. You know, like that's what you're gonna learn. And so, and it's funny because for me, for and I've heard it from other elders before when I was in like they would always tell you, and in the and in the watchtower it tells you if you if you're sinning, even if you made it a practice, but you go and you show that you want to change, you want to turn around, you're not gonna get this fellowship. 
right? That's what everyone is told. That's what you've always heard, right? Yeah, that's the exact opposite of what will happen, right? Because, like I said, if you don't know exactly what to say, um, then you're going to get the fellowship. It doesn't matter if you're really sorry or you, you think you're really sorry and you want and you say you want to change and everything. They will they'll disfellowship you just because in reality, the, the policies of Watchtower are going to are going to force the elders to disfellowship you. And the thing is, um, what people, a lot of people don't understand, especially people who are in the church, is that there are no, uh, how would I put it, there are no uh, rogue elders. There are no rogue uh, people doing their own thing, like, hey, I'm going to run the church this way. Watchtower runs, a, the whole witnesses run a super tight ship when it comes to the leadership and when it comes to what each congregation is supposed to be doing. And so what you think, what, you, what, you're, what you're told is that, oh, well, this is just, you know, maybe these are just some bad elders who did this to you. Like, no, that, those don't exist. They're all very well-trained, extremely well-trained. And they're all following the orders of uh, come down from the tippy top. You know? would it, this might be a really stupid question, but would it matter? I've always thought of Jehovah's Witnesses as the annoying people who knock on your door to convert yeah. you. Right? <laughs> yeah. So would it matter if you had a track record of bringing in new converts to the church? Does that play no. into the elders' decision no. at all? No, it wouldn't. Whoa! Nothing. Nothing you ever. Nothing you've done in the past is gonna is gonna is will will, will factor into what happens to you at that like point. Like righteous, I would call that like righteous acts, no. like donations of all sorts or no. conversions of all sorts. <laughs> no, honestly, it wouldn't. You know. So what's the, uh, when you had said like it actually right, it, most it would actually probably work against you to be honest with you because they just be like look at look at all that you've done and you then you go and do this you know uh, you, you're a fake basically you know like you're just uh, you know like uh, like, it, like I said it, it it wouldn't do you any good but it, uh, but it could definitely actually go against you. Are there certain keywords because you had mentioned a couple times about if you don't say the right thing is there are there certain you, buzzwords that. Yeah. Forgiveness. You gotta make it. You have to make it all about your relationship with the Jehovah's Witnesses and Jehovah. You can't talk about yourself. You can't be like, you know, I want to change because my life's been ruined. Like I've lost my wife. I've lost my girlfriend. Right? Those are all fake, selfish reasons to be sorry. Huh. Okay. Uh, so you gotta talk about. You know, I can't believe I damaged my relationship with Jehovah, with the congregation, with Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I want to be good again with the with the church. I want to be good again with Jehovah. You know. And the thing that they don't understand is that when people are doing these things, right? Because there's some times where people actually do like some messed up stuff, you know, that they need to, you know, when we're all, like I said, we're all human. We're all, you know, we all, everybody of us does something stupid at some point. But there's some people that actually do messed up things that, you know, rightfully so, you should probably even go to the police or, you know, not the elders, you know what I'm saying? But, um, so at that point, if you're doing these things anyway, you don't even have a relationship with God. So why would you even, why would they even matter to you? Like, and that's the thing that they don't think about is like, how do we restore this person's relationship with God, with spirituality? Um, you know, because why would somebody who's doing these things that they, that, you know, they've in their heart, they know they shouldn't do uh, care about, obviously they don't have that spiritual mindset anymore. They're thinking more of a fleshly, you know, like a human desire thing. You know, so it, it doesn't really make sense to me that that's what they would want to key in on. 
because obviously that's the part that's suffering. You know, if, if somebody, if, if there were a great Jehovah's Witness, then they wouldn't even be doing these things. You know, they'd be towing the line, right? Yeah. Is that because it's all about salvation for the Jehovah's Witness? It's not really about a relationship. It's about getting you to their heaven. You know what? You know what it really is all about? It's all about image. Um, it's all about image for the, the Jehovah's Witnesses because they, because of what, because of how they treat certain things, because, you know, even me, like I am, I still consider myself a Christian. And at this moment in my life, I understand why I wouldn't want to go and cheat on my wife. I wouldn't want to go and have girlfriends, you know, I wouldn't, or, you know, I, I understand the, the problems that come with living a promiscuous lifestyle, you know, um, trying to get laid every weekend, you know, it's, it's honestly, not as, in a, as you grow older, you realize it's a very trivial pursuit that doesn't bring you any happiness, you know, um, and, and most, and, and for me, at least for me, I was doing, I was living that kind of lifestyle at some point because I was lonely, you know, and, and I didn't know how to find true, uh, peace within myself and, and to be, you know, uh, satisfied with being just me, you know, with, with, uh, with my beliefs, you know, and so I, Oh, where's my thought going with that? Whereas, um, so, you know, like at this point, I understand why we shouldn't do those things, you know, but when you're a witness, it's mainly to do with not making the Jehovah's Witnesses look bad, you know, because, uh, and even though they don't say that, that's really where it all comes down to because, um, they, you know, the, the way they treat these sins, you know, so-called sins of like having sex before marriage, uh, you know, doing this, which doing that, you know, it can, it can even come down to like gambling, you know, they, they, that's a, that's a sin, you know, um, the reason they tell you not to do that is because yeah, you're going to lose your relationship with Jehovah and then an Armageddon comes and you're going to die. You're not going to make it to paradise, you know, but now that I've stepped away from it, I can really see that the way they push it so hard on people, they would really look, they'll look like a very hypocritical organization if they just let people do whatever, you know? Uh, and so it's honestly, I feel like it's, it's their way of like maintaining the good image of like, Oh, when you think of Jehovah's witnesses, you think of like people who are very proper and don't cuss and, you know, uh, yeah, they're very strange, but you know what? They, they have good kids and they, you know, and they, uh, you know, they look happy and you know what I mean? So yeah, <laughs> um, I, I feel like that has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. I don't know much about the Amish either, but we have a ton of Amish out here. Um, I'm Southern Delaware. So Pennsylvania, okay. Amish. I don't know if Amish and Jehovah's Witnesses branched off at one point, but I remember. No, actually, um, so it actually was the Seventh Day Adventists were the original Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. And, they, and the Jehovah's Witnesses branched off from them, yeah. Oh, so they were connected at, at some point. Yeah, I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know if they have a connection with Amish, but um, if you look at the if you look at like the founding fathers of Jehovah's Witnesses, they look like Amish. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> you know the big big beard, you know. Uh, right. But uh, um, I don't know. They they came the Seventh Day Adventists. Uh, I don't know their history, but I know that's where Jehovah's Witnesses come from. They're like they basically broke off from them gotcha. and started their own thing, yeah. and and that's where that came from. Yeah. But but the, the main but the main thing is that like uh, I see like even with even in non denominational non denominational Christian churches, I mean you're not I mean you're not encouraged to do bad things like that that were considered sins in the Bible, but you're also not like punished like oh you know like you're a bad person, you need to get away from us you know. Um, no, they it seems try and like help you're you. supposed to, yeah supposed to be supported. It's more like a counseling <laughs> yeah. and forgiveness lens than a yeah. get the fuck out of here for forever. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest with you, 
I'm not attracted to be around people who who do certain things anymore. You know, like if you're like a, if you're a drug addict, I don't want to be around a meth addict or be have them as friends, right? When when before I did, you know, but it's like what? But like that didn't that only came through my own life experience and my own um, uh, wanting to gain wisdom. You know, that kind of wisdom only comes from going through things, going through life, and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is like you know. We we we're, we're gonna mess up a lot as people, and we're gonna fall a lot. But it, it should only help us to get better in life and to and to grow as as human beings. You know, and um, to be punished for for being human is just you know that's that's not right. I feel you know um, we should like I said, if if anything, you should just talk to somebody, help guide them, at least say a few words. And if they want to listen, great. And if they don't, you know, like you know, well, hey, that's their life to live. Yeah. Well, so Jehovah's Witnesses have like a number. Or do they not that yeah. get allowed in heaven or get allowed to what was it called? Yeah. It's not heaven, right? It's so the yeah, the chosen witnesses they believe that there's only hundred and forty four thousand people who are chosen to actually go to heaven. And and the rest of us have what's called the earthly hope, which is when our after Armageddon comes and all the bad people, wicked people are destroyed, which are basically anybody who's not a Jehovah's Witnesses, a Jehovah's Witness. Um, so yeah, anybody who's not a Jehovah's Witness at that point will get destroyed, and everyone who was a Jehovah's Witness will get to live in a beautiful paradise earth forever. You know, we'll gain immortality, and we'll get to live for a while. The 144,000 will be reigning as kings and, 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 and priests in heaven with God, right? Yeah. And is there an age? So like a four-year-old, what's the age of consent to give your life over to Jehovah? Do you know? Oh man, that's such a good question, because it used to be because honestly, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they talk a lot. They, they criticize the Catholic Church a lot on the fact that they baptize babies. Right. And it used to be common common uh, belief that, you know, you need to be ready to, to commit your life to this organization. Because honestly, when you get baptized as a Jehovah's Witnesses, as a Jehovah's Witness, that's it. If you leave, if you want to go, there is no there is no leaving, you know, oh, okay, you don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore. All right, we understand. You know, well, we can still be pals, you know. No, there's none of that. If you want to leave, you either got you got to resign, and, and nobody's gonna to talk to you. Anybody who's an actual practicing Jehovah's Witnesses will will have to do will have to have nothing to do with you anymore. So you know that's that's a very big thing. Especially you, know, you, you should be you should be at an age that you understand what you're getting into. Yeah, I but just... recent yeah, but recently the it's starting to become where yeah they they're the, the younger you are the better you know. So yeah, you're, you're seeing like seven year olds, eight year olds getting baptized now. But they don't and, have and, an and, age. Yeah. They don't have an age laid out in the doctrine or the watchtower where it's like. So if Armageddon happened, no, no, and no, my kid is no four, years, four no. years old. How do I know no. if my kid is one of the one forty four? Oh, when you're talking about that, nobody. There's nobody knows. Okay. Only you know if you're one hundred forty four thousand. So you could say you're one hundred forty four thousand, right? Yeah. And um, but. And, yeah, so basically anybody can say they are with 144,000, and nobody can tell you that you're wrong, right? They can try and like they can try and tell you like, hey, you're probably not, but nobody can straight out say you're not, right? Yeah. Um. So, so as long as you believe it, then then you know everybody has to respect the fact that you say you are, you know. And the, and the, the only the only time of year that that matters is during um like what people refer to as Easter and the Passover. Okay. Well, Jehovah's does have their own deal like that too where it's like on the night that christ uh was going to be crucified they celebrate the lord's evening meal once a year which is you know they eat the bread and they eat the, and they drink the wine but only people of the hundred forty-four thousand can actually eat and drink the wine 
any if you're not of the hundred forty four thousand, you can only pass it by and look at it. You can't touch it. You can't drink it. How are, are if you're a member of the church, are you part of the one forty four, or do you have to have like a no. position in the church? No, actually, like, like no, like I was saying, anybody could say they were hundred forty four thousand. Oh, they don't okay. have to be an elder. They don't have to be anything. Gotcha. You know, so it could be anybody. Um, so, uh, honor, so honor yeah, so, but, like shit. I said, um, that's amazing, dude. Think about they, that. Like entry yeah. to paradise is on the honor <laughs> system. It's like, oh, you're right. claiming it. Cool. That's it. Do you know? Oh, no, no, no. So everybody, everybody that's not a Jehovah's Witness is gonna go on, on the earthly paradise, right? And and the hundred forty four thousand are the ones that go to heaven, right? So it's it's like the earth will still be here, uh, and we'll and whoever is not one hundred forty four thousand will be living here in the paradise. Got you. Right, and whoever and whoever was one hundred forty four thousand will be in the heavenly realm, you know, we're off of earth and with God, right? Okay. Yeah. So that's how that works. Beachfront. Yeah. So there's beachfront and then there's suburbs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, it, it's, you know, like I said, it's, um, I, I, you know, it's, it's almost like now that I, I, I it's, it's hard for me to real, to like even say that I used to buy into all of this. Right. <laughs> and like, I used to be out there. One of my favorite things was to go out and preach. As you can tell, I like to talk. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was, I love going and talking to people, especially, um, especially when I got married I got married. Actually, actually, I, I soon, as, even when I got married, I was still doing meth. I was still very addicted, but I was also like trying to be very. Oh, okay. I I know where that happened, uh, because, and I'll continue with this, my Jehovah's Witness story, where, okay, so like I mentioned, I met my wife in the church, right? My the one who would be my ex-wife, and you know, eventually we we hit off. We start going out. She breaks up with me. I I I can't take it. But it, but even at that first moment that that she broke up with me, I didn't go back to drugs. Um, I just lived my life as normal, very heartbroken. But uh, but eventually we got back together. Like maybe about maybe a few months later we got back together, and that's when it really became serious because I was already eighteen, um, you know, and uh, you know we were kissing and all that, you know. Uh, so it was like more of it was a more serious relationship at that point. And we were like, yeah, we made it very clear because before we were like hiding it from everybody, you know, like uh, we were going out, you know, while being members um, because of the church. They, what was that? While being members of the church, you guys didn't want people to know that you were officially dating. Yeah, because um, the whole witness belief is that you should only be dating if you're planning to get married. So obviously we're kids, right? We're not gonna get married. So what are we doing dating? You know, but uh, so uh, yeah, so. But then eventually we get back together. I'm 18, she's 18, so we can get married if we wanted to, right? So it became a more serious relationship. It was it was open, open. We were open with our relationship with everybody. Everybody knew we were going out, and eventually though we started having sex, right? Uh, we outside of marriage as a, as Jehovah's Witnesses, right? And um, so can we not to be super personal, but just because I'm really curious, who was the one that was cool with breaking the Jehovah's Witness rule? Like, were you that that persuasive or was she kind of pressuring you? No, no, it was very much like we were very much in love, to be honest with you. Like we we wanted to do these things. And honestly, it didn't bother us to do them uh, with with each other, you know. Um, even though we knew like, yeah, we're, we're doing wrong. We shouldn't be doing this, but it, it wasn't like, oh, you know, like you, let's do this. You know, like, you know, like if you love me, you'll do this with me. You know, it was very much consensual. We were both on the same page. 
um, eventually though, um, and that's where I kind of see the, that's where I kind of understand the whole, like, uh, waiting to get married stuff. Because I think like when you're a kid and especially, you know, maybe especially for guys or for girls, when you start having sex, a whole, a whole new world is open to you, you know, uh, you know, like you start, you, you, once you're introduced to sex, you're like, you know, there's like, okay, this is awesome. Like where, you know, <laughs> right. So. You know, if you if you're of a certain disposition, you'll you'll look for it from other people, right? Yeah. And eventually, I find out that she's cheating on me with her boss at work, um, which which I, I just you know, it's one thing to break up with you when you're not having sex and stuff, and it's another thing when you've been having like sex and everything for a while and you love each other that, and you find out they're cheating on you. It's just like man, I didn't know. That's when I really went crazy. Uh, I had no idea that because what happened then is that. I felt like the only way to get her back was to go and uh, and to confess and to see if the elders could help us, you know, stop doing these things and, and get us to, you know, be good, be good Jehovah's Witnesses again, right? So you guys are not married at this point. You're just in like no. what you think is a committed relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. Monogamous so she, like I said, so she she began cheating on me. I find out, and my idea was that well, if I go and confess, they'll help us to get back together. Because they'll help her to understand she shouldn't be cheating on me, I guess. Even right? though that's very self-seeking and it's not about right. the joke. So when you went right. and confessed, did you phrase it in the, no. you're worried about her relationship with Jehovah, not like my heart's broken? No, no. See, the thing is, I think I, I actually was, um, I actually did, I, I, to your point, I did care about that too. Like I was like, man, I need to help her get get back good with God, right? Um, so that's, so that was part of it too. But, uh, but I, I know for, I know in myself that a lot of it had to do with, I thought it could help us get back together, but it totally backfired. Well, I, and honestly, I did want to change. Like I, I was like, you know, it's like, you know, you're thinking like, oh, I'm doing these things and I shouldn't be. So like, yeah, I want to help me change. Help me get back to like how I was before, before I started doing all this and, and my life is falling apart in front of me. Even though I'm only like 19 and my life hasn't even started, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's amazing. But, you know, how I'm heavy like, the world yeah, I'm just like, I'm going, way. I'm going crazy. I'm, I'm going crazy, and, but so it doesn't work. They disfellowship me, you know. They disfellowship me and they disfellowship her, and, uh... and, and it was at that moment I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait a minute, I came to you and I told you, like, I want to change. I want, I don't like this. I want to, I want you to help me. But they're like, no, you're making it a practice. And it's like, again, I didn't say the right things, right? I didn't say the things I needed to say to not get this fellowship. So I get this fellowship. And so here I am, severely depressed, and I get this fellowship, which means now nobody can talk to me. Nobody can hang out with me. My family has to really keep their distance from me. Even though I live there, like, they can say hi, whatever, eat with me, whatever. But they, they're not supposed to, like, take me to the movies uh, you know, uh, give me, you know, have a sit down and talk with me. Like, Hey, let's talk about what's going on with you. Nothing like that. Right. So I'm, so again, I'm going through severe depression I can't talk about it with anybody. And the only thing that helped me feel better was meth. Right. Like once I, once I started, and that's when I realized, Hey, I can use meth to make me feel happy. So let me make me feel a little normal again, you know? Because once I would do the math, everything would change. Like my outlook in life would change. I'd be more positive. I wouldn't feel as sad. I'd feel great, you know? And, and that's when I became addicted. How long had it been since? Because you had said you kind of had a break when the other Jonathan yeah. left your life. Yeah. It was about at least maybe four, three to four years of not doing math, you know? 
No. And so then what made you think of meth? Did you re- just remember the good times doing it with him? Yeah, well, or? you know what? When, when all that was going on, I was also getting kicked out of the house. And I was, li- I was living with my uh, ex-brother-in-law. He, he was going to become my brother-in-law. But he owned two cell phone stores. And little did I know, he was also banging my sister when nobody knew about it. Right? And, and she had just left her husband. And so we're, we're, it was a crazy time where everybody in my family was just going through all kinds of crazy stuff, right? She's leaving her husband. She's she's hooking up with Joey, the the the, the who owned the cell phone stores in the valley, and and so he's like, "Well, just come live with me at the cell phone store, right?" So I'm living in a cell phone store, and and Jonathan calls me. He's like, "Hey man, I'm in town. I'm like, what's up?" And like, "Oh, come on back, man." And so as we're hanging out, we're like, "Hey dude, like, let, hey for good old times, let's hit up the the hit up the connect, you know?" Okay. So when that happens, I realize, hey, I don't need Jonathan to score. Like, I can go call this guy and go get it myself. I don't. Why do I need Jonathan's for you know? So, so Jonathan really didn't have anything to do with what happened to me later in life because we had already like stopped doing it, and you know, like this was all me now. You know, like yeah. where I'm gonna use this. You know, John. It wasn't that Jonathan was like, hey, the, the, it was all my idea to begin with. The, 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 when he was visiting that weekend. And and then I just took over, you know, and I let then I let the drug take over, and and then all this started happening, and it just became like this is my crutch, you know, this is what's gonna help me get through this, you know. Honestly, I think I might have even killed myself if it wasn't for the dope, you know, because I was it was just, it was it was that bad. The depression was that bad where it's like I couldn't even function. I couldn't not function. Like I could I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to do anything, you know. Dude, I can't imagine having that serious of a relationship, like the physical relationship, the love that you feel for that first love, especially for that first ass. If like, it's not like this weird one night stand, but if it's like that steady start making plans, like deep pillar talk type shit. And then you lose not only that, but your family, like what else do you have at 18, 19 (laughs) years old that would make you want to continue living. I was, you know, I had a a lot of close friends in the the church too that now we couldn't talk, you know? Yeah, right? Your whole community. They couldn't talk to me, yeah. So, okay, so at that point, I just became like this monk, right? Where like, I would just be alone, getting high and reading the Bible, right? Stop. And I read the the whole Bible from front to back on my own high. I would stay up all night reading it, right? Um, Why? Do and I remember, and I started I started we, to see there's a lot of discrepancies here with what they teach us. You know, can <laughs> like, we stay with what? Like, why were you choosing to read the Bible while you were doing meth? Because um, for me, like I was like, you know, I this all this all started because I wasn't close with God, and so if I get close with God and I read His book, you know, I can get I can have you know like I can my life will better right. Gotcha. And and I learned honestly, I learned a lot. You know, I I feel like there's a lot of parts in the Bible that are very helpful in people's lives. You know, um, but I also got to see other things where, or like uh, honestly, you can learn as much through nature as you can by reading the Bible. You know, by living life. You know, like um, I started to grow roses. Like my family had roses outside, so I would actually spend time in the mornings just watering them. And honestly, like watering roses is like is like dealing with human beings. You know. Really? Because, uh, yeah, because you got to water them right. You know, like uh, if you don't do it right and, and you don't water them right, they're not going to grow. You know, the same way, like if you want to have like a relationship with somebody and you want it to grow, you got to do it right. You know, you got to water the, the you got to water, the, you know, each other's in, in the right way for, for the relationship to grow. 
Um, and you know what? It's always, it's always stick with me is that one day I saw this rose that was um, wilted. And I was going to cut it off to, just to, like, you know, get rid of it for the next rose to grow. But I didn't. I actually watered it more than I did the other ones. And I kid you not, the next day it came out and it looked like it had never been wilted. You know, and it was like, you know, and for me, I'm like, man, that shows me like sometimes people just need more attention. Sometimes people just need more of your of what you have to offer in order to grow as a, you know, and and sometimes we just give up on people when it's too early to give up on them, you know. Uh, so, you know, stuff like that is like, you know, the, you, I learned that from doing roses, not from reading the Bible or going to church, you know, it's like, and so those are the real things that stick with you as a person that like, those are the real things that help you grow as a person where like, if you can come up to that conclusion, that's wisdom, you know, that's, that's wisdom that nobody told it to you, you know, and real wisdom, real wisdom cannot be told to you. You can't, you can't read it in a book. You can't, you have to experience it. You have to make it real for you. And that's when, then that's when it becomes wisdom, you know. And I feel like in this world today, that's that's sorely lacking, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Google, Google is wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, dude, that's I just can't imagine doing that. Well, so I don't. I've never done, <laughs> never done coke. I've. Um, oh man, you're missing out on us. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I I think it's funny as a youth little bit of acid, a little bit of shrooms. Shrooms did nothing yeah. to me. I feel like they were bunk. I don't know if they were real or yeah. not. Might've just got like <laughs> whatever sold a quarter, um, quarter pound of them at like some sort of party and everybody's just grabbing handfuls. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I couldn't imagine like tripping balls and trying to focus on a Bible to like get self-realization. Well, no, no. See, I was getting high on meth, right? No, yeah, I wasn't that, getting so high that, on That's yeah, what I'm getting yeah. at. I don't know what how what uh, <laughs> meth does to the body to allow you to lock in on oh, Leviticus. Well, you know, like uh, ADHD, they give you a uh, Ritalin, which okay. is a type of amphetamine. So like me, I have, I have ADHD real bad, um, which I've had to like, you know, uh, overcome oh, my, oh, you know, myself over the years. Okay. But, you know, amphetamines affect uh, an ADHD person way different than a normal person. Like it makes oh. you focus. It makes you super like alert and like it locked in on whatever you want to do. Yeah. Okay. So especially methamphetamine is just like a, like like ten times what Ritalin will do for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, so so speed that's why that's why when I did get clean and I went to the doctor to get like to see what he could do for me, he didn't prescribe me the Ritalin because I was just coming off of meth, you know. And he's like, if I give you Ritalin, it's probably gonna make you go right back to it, you know. So then, why is it? And this is gonna sound kind of stupid, but then why is it unproductive? If it gets you super locked in, why is it unproductive for you to be on meth? Uh, because you do meth for you do meth for a while, and it's like I said, at that time I was getting unemployment checks. Um, I had no reason to like I didn't have a reason, a financial reason to go out and do something with myself, right? I had the money in order to just live alone in, in solitude, you know. Eventually, when you want to actually do something with your life, that you can't do that. You know, the unemployment checks run out, um, and you got to go out and be productive. But you don't want to be. All you care about is getting high. You know, so so once the money runs out, that's when you know you find your. That's when I really realized, like, man, this is a part of my life now. Like, this is this is who I am now. I'm, I'm this meth is part a part of me now. What's... And I couldn't. And, and I didn't care about getting a job. I didn't care about doing anything. You know. I'm curious what like the and I'm gonna sound so fucking old and uncool, but like what's the cost to how long you stay feeling good for? 
Like, why, why can't you just do a little bit of meth? Like I drink some coffee, go to work and like be locked in and be this kick-ass employee, take your lunch break, hit a fucking pipe up, come back and then finish out your day. You know, like why can't that be the reality? Well, first of all, it's because it keeps you up all night. So eventually you're very tired and lethargic. Second of all, it's like super, your libido is super hyped though. So honestly, I mean, it, it pains me to actually admit this, but I was a porn porn addict at the same time I was a meth addict, you know? Uh, it's I like, you know, you know, like if you could just stay home and watch porn all day, that's the best, you know? Really? <laughs> if you're a meth addict. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, because you, you're super, super sexualized, you know? Um, and you know, all you can think about is, is watching porn and, and stuff, you know, and it's, and I, 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 I don't even like thinking about it because it just makes me feel like sick gotcha. <laughs> thinking about like how it was, you know, like, but it was, but that, that, that was a part of my life, you know, and like, and that's why I tell everybody that I meet, it's like, man, if I could change, anybody could change because I don't feel like I made anybody special, you know, like I, I, I'm me and I'm trying to do the best of my life, but if I could do it, any, anybody can do it, you know? Did you? Because that was a real piece of piece of trash, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make you like relive it or make you feel bad about it. No, that's fine. That's fine. In any it's way. just you know, like I said, it's just it's just like man, I, it's it's like so cringy to think about. You know, it's like oh man, I can't believe I did that. You know, because I was married at the same time. You know, it's like married to the girl that had yeah, cheated so, on you. Yeah, so yeah, eventually. So that- yeah, let's yeah. go to that because I we never actually got to like figure yeah. that. Or okay, I never so like when, we're this fellowship, and we're this fellowship for about a year, but eventually we get back together again, and this <laughs> time we're, we we want to get married for real. This time, you know, <laughs> like this time we really are in love, and like we've we've forgiven each other, and like, um, and yeah, and honestly, honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that I was on meth, the marriage would have worked out because we we got along great, you know. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, it was, there was nothing, it was not like, oh man, I can't stand this person. She couldn't stand me because of what I was doing, you know? But when, when, when I was clean, cause, um, you know, so since 2010, we get married and, but I'm a drug addict. Eventually, you know, things come full circle and like, I gotta go to rehab, you know? Um, because I've been stealing money from my parents. They're going to like send me to the police. They're going to call the cops if I don't go to rehab. So I go to rehab. And uh, after about a month, I feel like, man, I'm good. Like, I don't need a rehab anymore. I'm good. I don't want to do meth anymore. I'm going to go out and, and get back with my wife and, and be with my wife now. So I leave the rehab, even though I'm supposed to be there for a year. But after a month, I leave and I'm like, and I feel good. And and I was clean for about maybe six months. And I, and actually, I was working a good job. I got a union job. Um, but eventually, the union job slowed down and I started doing dope again, you know. And but but those months that I was working were were amazing, you know, like they were amazing. We were, our relationship hadn't been better, you know, like we were, you know, we would go on a trip, you know. Uh, so six months, six months of a very good marriage, you know. Um, but eventually, I started using again, and and things just fell apart very quick after that. The I'm curious about the union job slowing yeah. down. Did what triggered you to go back or? Am I an asshole for asking about this? No, stuff? no. You, you know what? It's, it's, it's just that here's the thing. And this is what this is a part that psychedelics is, is, is the best for is that you could just stop doing it. Right. Like you could just like have super good willpower and stop doing it. Right. But and, and I and I applaud and I know people who did that. and I applaud them because that's something I couldn't do. But at the same time, it's always in the back of your mind. 
like, oh man, I remember like I remember getting high right now. Like I, I, instead of working, I'd be getting high, you know. Or like your party, or you had like having a good time. You're like, dang, you know, it'll be good right now. Like a, a little a hit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you right. So eventually, those thoughts will will, will like uh, you know will, will will become too you know much for you to handle. And, and and those are the days where either the the strong people are going to be like, no, I'm not going to do it, and the weak people are going to be like, okay, just this one last time, you know, just this one last time. So. And that's how it was with me. It was like, okay, just this one last time, I did it. Then I did it like a month later, just one last time, right? And then after that, I did it a week later, just one last time, though. And then it just became every day again, you know? And and like I said, once I, once I went back, things spiraled down real quick, you know, real quick, yeah. I'm also curious about the rehab because I've heard really bad stories about people with insurance or people trying to get clean and get into rehab state sponsored rehabs versus like private rehabs. Yeah. No, I went to, um, I went to a Christian home. It's called, a, it was called, a, it was called a teen, teen challenge. And it's so, and that one's actually yeah. like a nationwide one. Yeah. I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Teen challenge. Um, and honestly it was great. I, I loved it. You know, that's, that's like, it was an amazing experience. I met really cool people. I felt like I saw, I saw a different side of Christianity Right, that was hidden from me, being a part of Jehovah's Witnesses, and I loved it. I have no complaints at all. Um, you know, it, it, it's like I could, I could really see if I had stayed, maybe it would have really helped me. But since I left, I would not know if it, how it could have helped me further. But you know, my experiences in rehab are great. I, actually, I still, I, w- I went to a few rehabs a few times, um, and that was mainly because uh, when when you're like living on the streets, it's like it gets you get tired of it, and eventually you'll be like, okay, I'm gonna go for a month in the home, and get fed, get some rest, okay. and then you know you're back out, you know. <clears throat> and but I still talk. One, one of my best friends is, was still one of the ex directors at one of the homes I stayed, and um, and yeah, we still we still hang out almost so every weekend at least, you know. Oh no way. Yeah, yeah, we talk all the time. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so um, the rehab is no, I mean, no, there's no there's no bad story at all, really. Like, I mean, you see crazy people go through there. You see, like, yeah. crazy, then, you know, <laughs> like, like the heroin addicts, man, they're, they're the worst. <laughs> they're the worst, man. Like, they're like, dude, I couldn't I couldn't even imagine how being a heroin addict, that must be horrible. Because <laughs> it would look, it look like hell, you know, when you see them kicking, you know. Yes. Like, and when when for meth, when you're coming down on meth, all you, all it is is like you're super sleepy, you're super hungry, and you sleep and you eat, and mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's about it. You know, as as far as you might be irritable because you're not getting high, but you know, that's it's really all just a mindset at that point. You know, like you know, just get over it. You know, but with the with the uh, with heroin though, I would see it look it look painful. You know, like they'd have to be in the showers, getting hot, getting cold, sleeping outside in the in the sun because they're so cold. Uh, throwing up and I was like, man, that looks, that's terrible. <laughs> I couldn't imagine it. I'm glad I never touched the stuff. Yeah, dude. I always heard or I always thought like meth was physically addict because that's the heroin thing, right? Like it's yeah. the physical addiction yeah. that yeah, is the heroin the is the one that actually has like. And actually, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Like, um, like I used to I, like because of that meth and not brushing my teeth. You know, you get um the toothache, so I would go across the border and get by, the. The kind of like the lesser version of Vicodin. Okay. And you know, and honestly, like after a few days of using it, and you stop, I would feel like I was getting the flu. Huh. Yeah, and I was like, you know, and I was like, why am I getting sick? And then I realized, oh shit, I'm going through withdrawal. 
you know? Yeah, because of because of the opiate, I'm not taking anymore, right? Because as soon as I would pop in the pill, I would feel I would feel better instantly, almost, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I gotta stop because I'm getting a. I don't want to get addicted to this shit stuff now, you know. Yeah, but um, you know, that was like much further down the line when I was already doing good. But dude, it's crazy you had that kind of awareness. Yeah. you know what the thing with me though is I I'm not I was never I liked I liked the upper feeling I didn't like the downer feeling you know like like weed I hate weed I've always hated weed because of how it just makes me feel stuck and like you know uh, I hate I hate it I, I don't ever do it like you know even recently I might you know like I might try like a, a gummy before bed sometimes you know that's like rare you know uh, the CBD you know the the weed the, the yeah. edibles honestly I don't like it I just don't you know. And so my thing was the was the was the stimulant, you know. Okay. Yeah. So I I mean maybe that's enough of trudging up the past. Unless there's anything else you want to say about that, I kind of feel <laughs> no. That's, bad that's basically like so you know so basically where that story ends is where my psychedelic story begins, you right. know, because here it, I it was like I said at my lowest point. I stole about ten thousand dollars off this older lady that was also a meth addict. Holy shit! Yeah, and so we were getting high together. She didn't know that I knew her ATM password, and I'd just be pulling out cash so you could get high, you know. Until so we just basically ran through her bank account, you know. And I I don't know if it was ten thousand dollars, but I know she had like ten thousand to start with, and and by like the time I was done, we were done smoking. It was like down to like two thousand, you know, like like and so- within like six months. So that was something, and not to go back, but to go back, I never, and I have no idea, but purchasing meth for the high, like, what are you burning through cash-wise a day to, like, sustain? You know, me personally, I I could burn through at least $20 a day, because I wasn't one of those, like, I I never was, like, that crazy drug that I needed to do, like, an eight ball a day. I was like, I I would hoard my meth, I would go be by myself, and I wouldn't let anybody else hit it. You know, I would just be me for myself. And and, I, and we come, I might come from a place where it's saturated with meth. So you can get it for super cheap. Like you can get a few grams for $20, you know, so. It's, yeah, so, yeah, but. This might that? sound, no, this might sound really stupid, but like I'm sitting here drinking a bottle of wine that's like $14. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, so if I have a bottle of wine tonight, that's, it seems like that's basically the equivalent of your former meth habit. Yeah, yeah, I would say about that, yeah, you know. Man, that's, dude, that's fucking trippy to think about, to be honest with you. Oh, I know, I I, honestly, I feel like I could, honestly, if I went back and I collected all the money I spent on on meth, I could probably afford, like, at least a $20,000 car. (laughs) I would say at least, you know, at least. Yeah, I'm telling you, at least least $10 every day, if not 20, if not more, you know, because I would buy, like, $60 sometimes, you know. But, I mean, there's some people I would see burn through, like, 100 bucks a day, you know. And and that's and those are the people that really would steal everything they could get their hands on just to sell it and get high. Gotcha. And like, yeah. it, I, I don't know. I don't want to keep going on the the meth thing. But no, I but guess... so so yes. But anyways, um, like you said, she was an older lady that loved meth, and she had a place for me to crash. We would get high together, and but eventually I'm on YouTube and I come across Graham Hancock. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Yeah, Graham Hancock had this TED talk on DMT and ayahuasca. And I remember he, one of his first, one of the first parts of that whole, uh, his whole TED talk is that he says that in the Amazon, they're using ayahuasca to help people get off of hard drugs. 
And so, boom, the the the, the I, my ears just perk up. I'm like, what? What is this, right? And he talks about it. And yeah, he's like, yeah, after a few doses, after a few sessions of ayahuasca, people are getting off of heroin, people are getting off of cocaine. And, and he talks about his own story of how I just lifted this monkey off his back. And so I'm listening to that. I'm like, man, I have the ability to get money right now because of this older lady. I need to find a way how to get whatever this is, you know. I had heard of DMT before, but... And I heard of ayahuasca, but I, but I, but again, like I thought of DMT is like this, I thought of psychedelics is just this other drug, you know, like there's nothing else to it. It's just, it's just the drug that makes you trip weird shit. Right. Right. Um, but no, yeah, but no, it is definitely not that at all. Um, so eventually I'm on, and I was really into the dark net and the dark web. So I knew how to get on it on my phone. I started researching it. And so the thing is here in the, in the United States, uh, and as far as, as me, I go, it's very hard to find like a reputable, um, the ingredients that are used in the Amazon are, are the chacruna leaf and the, and the copy vine. All right. And those copy, and you, you have to combine those two in order to get ayahuasca. So the chacruna leaf is what has the DMT and the copy vine is what has the MAOI inhibitor, which is, it turns off an enzyme in your stomach so that the DMT can go through the bloodstream when you digest it, right? You, and so you can't really find fresh ingredients like that here in the United States. Uh, once if, if they even are able to make it over, they're dried out. Um, they're not, you don't know, you, you, it's very, you don't know how good the quality is. However, there are other what's called... Um, uh, like DMT uh, derivatives, which would be so. In my case, I use what's called the acacia confusa root bark. It's the uh, the bark from a tree, uh, the acacia tree, and Syrian rue seeds, uh, which are these little seeds that when you put them in water, it turns the water red. That's why they call it rue, you know, Syrian rue. And the, so the the, so the seeds have the MAOI, and the root bark has the DMT, and you can make it and brew it and consume it and you can that's how you can have your ayahuasca experience your dmt experience and once i once i found out how to get it i ordered it uh i made it there at that at that late old lady's house uh i, I drank it and I went on my first trip a, a solo yeah oh, i was shit. completely alone yeah do you portion control at all like how do you know you're not making it no. too dense or too well, okay, so when you when back. I bought it on the when I bought the ingredients on uh, and it turns out you don't even need to get it on the darknet. You can get it from because uh, uh, the because the root bark is used as a t-shirt dye, as a natural tie dye. Okay. Uh, so you can buy it from reputable companies from Hawaii that can ship it to you. You know, huh. and the semen root seeds are actually like a, a, a food ingredient, and you can buy those completely legally too. Huh. You know? Um, so, but I bought it off the darknet and they, and they, or, and they send it, they send it in an order as this is one dosage, right? Uh, uh yeah. So you would make that, you would make that and that'd be good enough for one, for one trip, you know? Do you remember what the measurements were? Yeah. So you need about 15 grams, 15 to 30 grams of the root bark and about 15 grams, 10 to 15 grams of the Syrian root seed. And, uh, my, my cooking technique was you would simmer both for for about 90 minutes and then you drain it like coffee and then you'd cook it again for another 90 minutes and about 500 milliliters of water and then do a pool of what's what they call a pool of that so again you do another pool which is like you know filtering it through coffee then another 90 minute 
And then the final, so the, what you have left, you should have about maybe 100 milliliters of water left. And that's what you consume, you know, because while, it, cause while, it's, while, it's, while it's making it, you know, it's boiling off and the water is evaporating, yeah, you know, so you should have only it. a little bit of water left. And you drink that. And, oh, and again, like, yeah, the taste is horrible. Uh, eventually, you get used to it like, where it doesn't taste bad, like, you know, like you can handle it. But, but yeah, you throw up, you vomit. And, and it's a vomit that like you've never vomited before. It's like you, you feel like it's cleaning you out of all these things you're not supposed to be eating, right? There's a very special diet that if you follow it, when well, my experience, when I would follow the diet every day, every day, I wouldn't throw up anymore when taking ayahuasca. Um, you know, I, as soon as I say, there was no more that there is no more uh, throwing up for me. But uh, obviously, well, um, the first time I did it, I threw up a lot. Yeah. Well, you got to say the diet now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the diet. So the diet is no red meat. That's the big one. No, no, uh, no salt, no pepper, no oil, no sugar. Uh, something else. Uh, yeah, no sweets. Um, you can eat like papaya. You can have white meat. No pork. Also, no pork. Um, so it's very strict, you know, especially the no salt, no pepper. It's like, well, dang, you know, like, what do you eat so it'll taste good? Yeah, <laughs> but, right. um, you know, a lot of times you can eat fish or like a white meat. But basically, on your day leading up to the ceremony that you do, if you're going to drink it, you would cut out all of the white meat and all that. You'd just be doing like fruits, veggies. Uh, again, no seasoning, no oil, uh, no dressing. Just, you know, uh, the food. And and actually no no, no over ripened fruit also I, I was never exactly sure what that meant but that was, that was one of the other things but I know one of the big things you could eat was papaya like as a as a as a, like as a breakfast and then I'd also I would also cook up bananas in the oven and that would be like a dessert and actually that comes out pretty good it tastes like caramel you know <laughs> yeah so, um, but yeah it's a very strict diet but if you're do if you're if you're doing like ayahuasca sessions con constantly um you, you should, it's like you man you, you you learn to love the diet because you have so much better connection with the experience um than if you weren't doing the diet do i i'm thinking of this recipe and i'm thinking number one you should you should be on like whatever the breaking bad prequel if you're following <laughs> these like measurements and simmering shit down yeah. How scared yeah. were you the first time you've made your own ayahuasca was, to drink? I was really scared only for the reason that anywhere you read online, they're going to tell you, you cannot be on meth when you do it, right? Because you can die. Really? And the, yeah, the reason why is that, um, the so, you know, you have the, ser your serotonin is, is pretty high when you're on, on, uh, on meth, right? And then psychedelics shoot your serotonin up even way more, right? So you can so you can go with it, what's called a, it's a serotonin syndrome, which can stop your heart, right? And so, so yeah, I was like, but the thing is, they were telling you to be off of meth for two weeks before you did ayahuasca, and I'm thinking to myself, well, if I could go two weeks without it, I wouldn't need to do ayahuasca, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I can't go two weeks, right? I can't, you know, <laughs> like that's the whole point is that I can't even go a day without it, you know. So I was like, well, you know, I had to take, I had to take, I had to risk it, you know. So what, so really, what happens is that um, when they tell you not to, it's taken into account that you're maybe somebody who doesn't do meth all the time, and you did meth the night before, 
And, you know, but it, so, you know, and so someone who never does it and does it, they're going to be on a high, like super high for a while. Right. But, but you, if your body and mind are used to it for years of use, you know, you start coming down within a few hours, you know, gotcha. like your body's already like, hey, I'm used to this already. I need more meth. Right. So as long as so if you're a constant user, I mean, I'm not going to say quote me on this, but from my experience, I realized that, well, if I'm already if I'm already feeling tired and coming down at like the eighth hour, the tenth hour. I should be okay, you know. I I had a, like I said, I had to risk it. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was in the back of my mind the whole time. I was like, man, I'm keeping track of my heart rate and all that, you know. But I was like, you know, screw it, I gotta do this, you know. And I, I yeah, it was it turned out okay. So, uh, and again, my ignorance, the Sarah, what did you call it? The serotonin the syndrome is what they call it. Yeah. yeah. What what's it's, worst case on that? Like that's heart attack, stroke, or what? Yeah, you yeah you just you just stop your heart stops. Yeah, you go into cardiac arrest. Because serotonin yeah. just elevates your heart rate at a, at a beats per minute. It's that it's just I, honestly I don't know the science on that, but I know that too much serotonin is bad for you. You know. Okay. Yeah, that's why when you're on the, that's why you're also not supposed to be on the SSRIs. You know the the psych meds, because those also mess with your serotonin. Huh. You know, so they tell you to, to be off of that too, also for at least two weeks before you do ayahuasca, okay. because yeah, like the MAOI inhibitor, what turns the, that the enzyme off is what um, interacts with your serotonin, oh. and you know, <clears throat> yeah. But um, so we'll go into so we'll talk about my first experience on a hundred milliliters. My, yeah. Like yeah, dude, yeah, I'm so just keep in mind, of so yeah, taking five hundred to one hundred, like the reduction. Yeah, you know, like um, I, I just I'm imagining how fucking dense cough syrup like yeah. that must have been. Oh no, honestly, it's very liquidy. Really? But, um, yeah, it's very liquidy, especially if you filter it right. You shouldn't have a lot of the root bark in it. Um, but it it is thick. It's it's thick because of the root seed. You know, um, that 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 actually is like more, very oily. You know, so, but it's very yeah. It is it is like I said. It's a taste like no other. Like I couldn't describe it to you. It's like you have you have to experience it for yourself because of how, you know, um, yeah, it's not appealing at all. So before you get into your trip, and this is completely stupid, and I do not mean for a DEA agent to be like listening. (laughs) Um, but like, could you just bottle that shit up and send it? somewhere or does it have to be fresh does it have an expiration date it has an expiration date yeah it does have expiration especially if it's in a glass bottle like you know like like a liquor it's gonna last you a while it's and if you refrigerate it even more but you're not supposed you're supposed to the respect you're supposed to have for the the tea you don't put it in cold weather you know like you you leave it out you know but if you but if you were to be inclined to do it you could put it in the freezer put it in the thing and that'll make it last for a long time but if it's in a plastic bottle, especially if you didn't filter it right, all that root bark, it's like, you know, it's like dirt. And it's, it's just eventually it's going to start to, you know, deteriorate in the, in the bottle and then it'll, it'll go bad. It might, it, it'll, it'll make you sicker than normal and, and it won't even do anything, you know? Like, oh. yeah. So, yeah. It happened to me once before. <laughs> you put it in a yeah, plastic bottle. Yeah, that's how bottle. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's yeah, interesting. And it made me really sick. It made me really sick. Like if I was like... Like, I, my, I was sweating, and, like, you know, like, I was, like, I, I had food poisoning, you know? Right. Like, yeah. So. It, it's interesting you say respect for the tea. Yes. Yeah, speak on that a little bit. Well, so here's the thing that you start to learn. The, this, these ingredients, the, these plants all have, 
you know, uh, like easy way to understand it. Everybody understands that plants are alive. Yeah. They're a living organism. They have a spirit. So this is the vine has a spirit. The chacruna leaf has a spirit. The acacia tree has a spirit. The Syrian rusi has a spirit. And when you combine all those things, you're, you're imbuing the spirit. You're in taking that spirit in of the, of the plant. And so it's that tea itself is alive, you know, hmm. and you know, whether you want to believe that or not, but that's how people like that take it, understand it. It's like, this is something that's alive. This is an entity, something that's trying to help you, something that wants to do what's best for you. And so that's where that respect comes from, you know, where it's like, this is uh, mother earth talking to us. This is God here in our hand, you know, like um, that's, that's here to heal us, you know, to heal us from what's afflicting us in our life, you know? So that's, that's the respect that you, the same way you don't, you know, you have respect for a, a doctor who's patching up your broken arm, you know, uh, you say, thank you, doctor. You know, I, I'm very grateful for you. You don't spit in his face. You know, you don't, you don't, uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, you, you treat them with dignity. And it's the same way with the tea. You treat it very respectfully, you know. And so you're not supposed to, you treat, you treat it like if it's to the side, you know. Like you would treat your, like if you had a bottle of 30-year-old whiskey, you know, you don't put that in the freezer, you know, <laughs> like you, you're like, no, man, this is the good stuff. This is, this cost me a thousand dollars, you know, uh, and the same way with ayahuasca, which is, this is, this is amazing. This is life-saving, you know, you know, this, this goes right here with, 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 uh, with the things that I care most about, you know, that's how I see it. And that's, that's the kind of respect that I'm, that I refer to. Gotcha. And it, yeah. and that would be part of the case to not like whole batch i guess i'm thinking of like a five gallon oh um, you know, I mean, that exists too that that definitely exists where people make that much especially um you know large ceremonies you know you have uh you know you, honestly if it's if it's a, honestly if it's a very if, you, if the person who's cooking it knows how to make it 100 milligrams 100 milliliters even 50 milliliters should be enough to go on your trip yeah because at that point it's super concentrated dmt you know and and honestly, you need from what I understand, you need two milligrams of DMT in in your in each trip. You know, uh, like I said, very super potent. Um, and like I said like it doesn't it doesn't require a lot. You know, but like a good a good cook will know will be able to give you like a little dosage like that to go on your trip. Okay, you know? just like a shot. I've always wondered that. I've actually had a couple of people who have done like the Peru ayahuasca yeah, gone to yeah. the shaman or shaman. And yeah. I've always wondered how much liquid you actually consume. Are we talking eight ounces? You know, are you are you looking no, at? No, that's a little shot? too much. Uh, that that would be like if somebody didn't know how they were making it, and like, hey, this is the batch. Like, because honestly, you could have about so like with each pull, which is each each time I would cook it up, uh, you would put about a about five hundred milliliters of water. And so that from the, and that would then that would simmer down until you only have about maybe fifty left, you know. And then so you at the end of your three cycles, you you simmer that down to only to when you only have about fifty or hundred left, you know. So if you didn't know what you were doing, you could have a, a good amount of water left and have to drink it all in order to get the experience, you know. Okay. Yeah, like my first my my first couple cooks, um, uh, making it it was like that where like I have like maybe a half a bottle of water full you know or even a whole bottle of water full or just okay drink it all down you know but um eventually you get good enough for it's like you get it just perfect you know you know i'd be scared shitless to <coughs> drink my own psychedelic <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean like i said it's uh it's something that it's you gotta you gotta um 
Terrence McKenna said this the best way, where it's like he, you know, I, I've known people who will go skydiving, you know, skydivers, you know, uh, extreme sports, you know, I mean, just people who do the craziest things yet, they wouldn't even dare do a psychedelic, you know, they're too scared, right? And it's because it's a different type of, uh, like, like extreme sports, he explains it like very perfectly, he said like extreme sports, um, skydiving, that's about conquering a fear, you know? You're conquering, you're, you're, you're pushing your body to the limit, and you're seeing what you can do, right? Wow, psychedelics is a surrender. You're, you gotta surrender uh, to, to them, where it's like you're out of, you, you, you finally let go of the control you've been trying to hold on yourself the whole time and letting the, the plant talk to you, letting God into your life, you know, letting the spirit work through you, you know? Uh, so that's why, and, 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 that's, and that's exactly what it takes. It, it, you have to be willing and, and open minded to say, I'm gonna let go. And I'm gonna just let it do what it needs to do for me, you know. Because if you try and fight it, that's when it. That's when your bad trips happen. That's when you're, you know, like the, that's when the bad trips happen when you're trying to fight it and be like, no, no, like I'll go this way, go this way instead of that way, you know. Yeah, that's I've, so, I've yeah, that's what everyone I've spoken to has said. Was that easy for you to go with it? Almost like, like so, I picture it. I live by the coast. I go in the ocean all the time. Yeah. And sometimes you just feel. If, if not that I surf, but like you're boogie boarding, you body surf and like you just feel the wave and you finally feel the energy and it's like, I'm doing nothing. I just happen to time it right. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. let it take me where it wants to go. Is that right. an easy sort of vibe for you? That's exactly how I, I've never been surfing, but that's exactly how I probably describe it is like, you just say you trust the, you trust the wave. You, you're, you know how the water acts, right? You know how the water feels, how it should feel on you, right? Yeah. And yeah, you just let yourself go and be like, I know everything's gonna be okay. And especially when, especially when you're ready to start going into the real trips, <laughs> the real oh, psychedelic trips. That's when you, you. That's the kind of mindset you have to be prepared for. And those those trips that I'm that will eventually, I'll, hopefully, I have time to get to, are the trips that you take real experience, real experience, and to actually get through. You know, because they're they're gnarly. Yeah. yeah. Dude, let's get to him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, so, so I'll just, I'll just well, first go through my first experience real quick. Yeah. That, um, By the basically, way, you don't, you don't have to be quick. I'm not, I don't want to no, rush okay. you, man. Any details or yeah. anything, feel free to elaborate. Yeah. Well, you know, just the first experience. Um, like I said, a lot of people would knock, would like knock me down trying to say like, oh, that's not a real experience. Like, first of all, it's not even the actual ingredients. But, you know, how I feel about it is like, well... Yes, the, the the ayahuasca you get in the Amazon. Yes, it's it's a traditional drink, right? That's been passed down for millennia, right? But the the tradition started somewhere, right? And when over here in America, what are we supposed to be like? Well, I guess we can't do it because it's not the same way over there. No, America, North America has its own version that it can take advantage of, and that and that I feel like that's our tradition to start, you know. Like, this is our ayahuasca. This is a North American ayahuasca that we have over here, right? And that's South American ayahuasca. And this is our ayahuasca. This is what's available to us, you know? And and like I said, I've never done the South American ayahuasca with the jacuna and the copy. One day, I hope I'll have the opportunity to. But I wouldn't say that it's, oh, mine is better or that is better. And I don't think they would either, you know? The real shamans, they wouldn't, I don't think they would be like, oh, this that's not real. You know, like what you did, you know? Like, they... I. I feel we would have an understanding of like, this is what I have. This is what you have. 
and it's all to benefit us, right? Hmm. So, but then people say, well, you're supposed to do it in a ceremony. You're like, well, yeah, but I didn't have any of that. I didn't have thousands of dollars to go into a ceremony, you know? I didn't know where to go. There's, where I'm at, there's nothing in the little town I was living in at that point. There's nothing like that around you, you know? So this was like, either it's now or never. Either you do this or you don't. And I did it. And yeah, it was very bizarre. But the thing is, ayahuasca carries you into the, like you said, the wave, right? It carries you. You start to feel it. And and you know what? I, I'll tell you what. I did, I did a meth. And my first meth high felt really, really good. But and I never felt that meth high again. It's that you know, it's the higher always chasing. Chasing the dragon. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the ayahuasca though. Ayahuasca was a hundred times better than that first meth high, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. The 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 um the euphoria and the body and the way your body feels is is simply undescribable. Undescribable. You feel amazing, right? And 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 it's like you can't even believe like, oh my god, I'm floating away. Like I'm 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 floating away. Like you feel like you're on air. I just I'm, I'm my body's leaving, you know. Like I'm going, and so it carries you into that. Like the wave you're talking about, it's a wave that carries you into the trip. So that once the trip only starts, you're like in you're in it already. You're like okay, let's do this, you know. Take me with you. So uh, and during the trip, I start talking. Like I start asking myself questions and this, and I realize that like you know all of my addictions are stemming from this girl that I can't get over right my ex-wife is like when you know she's bad for you and you're bad for her and, and you should just get over it and, and like release yourself of this prison you made for you and like I said things just made sense things just got together and like it's like and as soon as I started realizing all the things boom 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 the, all these feelings were leaving me where it's like I don't need to be addicted anymore I don't need to do this anymore I don't need to do meth anymore you, you don't need to feel like this anymore it's all written it's all written from me you know and eventually you know eventually I actually fell asleep <laughs> yeah it just i just fell asleep because you know the, the trip just becomes so intense that it's like you know i, I honestly don't remember falling asleep but i remember waking up and because it was getting super super intense uh, and especially for newcomers like adelics they'll go through what's called the infinite loop which is uh basically thoughts that keep looping and looping like it'll you'll when one thought you go to this thought over here and then you'll loop all the way back and it just keeps going and going and go you know you're just like this looping through your thoughts looping through time you know that's so that's like one of the first things you learn to overcome when you're uh doing psychedelics is that infinite loop but that's what i went through was it and, uh, like visuals or just voices yeah, when you're in like a black so, hole no like ayahuasca is like so when you open your eyes um, you know, you, everything's distorted, everything's colorful, everything's like this black, you know, things might look different, things might even disappear or appear or just look completely different. But it's really when you're in the darkness or, or when you have your eyes closed that you can see the visions, you know, uh, visions of everything you can think of. I mean, I said it's hard to describe the trip, but, you know, the, you know, very, again, very symmetrical, very, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, you know how you see like the different shapes and everything, you know, like different, different entities, uh, you know, the creatures, you know, just like you're in the, you're in a different realm, you know, and it's just, and it's so real to you. Like, honestly, there's a point where you don't know if your eyes are open or closed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that was part of it. But once I, once I woke up from that first trip, um, I was like, I had no interest in doing meth anymore. 
you know, like I was like, I want to move on with my life. And so like the next day I left, I went back to my mom. I begged her to help and to let me stay there and I never went back to meth and never did it again. I yeah. feel, I feel like you didn't develop the climax enough. It's like, yeah. It's like, so I you know, woke honestly, up and I, I was like, I you know what? Remember. I'm done with it, meth. It, it, you don't remember? Like there was no watershed moment. There was no specific oh, yeah. well, question just, um, Like I said, like, is this waking up every day, like wishing, wishing that I wasn't like this, you know? No, no, no. Uh, during, during the trip, dude. Oh, during the trip. No, you know what? Honestly, I don't remember. Like there was uh, no res, no concrete resolution of this. It was, was just more like, um, it was just more understanding myself and understanding like, and, and honestly, it was like, it, like, I felt like I understood myself. You know, it's like, look at this is who you are. This is why you're going. This, this is this is the truth of the matter, and and this is why you're gonna stop. You know, and and it made sense to me. And sometimes people need to. It's like, you know, people talk about like, oh, I go to therapy, right? And I have nothing against it. For me personally, though, I can understand when people go because sometimes people need to be told by someone else something yeah. in order to to like make you know, like you could be with somebody that you're having issues with, right? And you could tell them all your complaints and all you're like, no, you like, you don't get it that you're like this and you're like this. Right. And they won't. And as long as you're the one saying it, they don't care. They don't want to hear it. But as long as, but when someone else comes and tells them that they can, that they have respect for them, like then they're like, oh, okay, maybe he's right. Maybe she's right. You know? And that was the same way with me. It was like, I am my own therapist, you know? And, and honestly, we are, we all should be our own therapists where it's like, we can, you know, under know ourselves in order to, you know, uh, treat whatever we're going through, you know? Whatever, um, whatever you know, part of our life is not working out. We should be able to come to ourselves and talk with ourselves in order to get through it. You know, uh, you know that that's how I feel. But that's what happened with me. Is like I went into myself. I went into my own subconscious and made myself realize and see clearly what it is and why it was that I was doing this and that I didn't need to do it anymore. I didn't need to. I didn't need to let these things bother me and keep me in this place that I was in. You know? And it. So it boiled down to the first wife. To the first what again? First wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. do you remember what allowed you to let it go, or was it just a realization of like? It's a realization. It's just a realization. Just um, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, we spent like we were together for like ten years, uh, and you know, and I, you know, I still, I still, I don't really keep up with her anymore. But I know how she is. You know, I know like she's, she's, she's married. She's married with two kids. You know, like I'm married with one kid. Like you know, we. But there's not like this, like oh man, like I need to like die for you. You know, <laughs> I yeah. need to like go and save. You know, like that was all. That was like all a god complex I had in me. You know, it was like we're trying to like save this girl, save ourselves, just so that I could be with her. You know, it was stupid. You know. Um, and then finally I just realized that it's very it was stupid, you know, and like, it is more I can do with myself, you know, and like, I have a lot more that I can accomplish and, and, and she wasn't it, you know? Um, yeah. And so why keep doing psychedelics if it got you? Over well, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's like sex. Once the, once this world is open to you, you just, you don't, you know, you want to explore more, you know, <laughs> That's you know, it's like, you get, but it's, it's honestly, it's not like a, it's not a drug. It's not like a drug where it's like, oh, I'm gonna do this to get high. You know, you don't do ayahuasca to get high. You know, first of all, it takes forever to make. It's gonna put you through. You're throwing up. It tastes horrible. Yeah, the eventual outcome is great, but this is a tool that we can use to help others, to help ourselves. 
um, and to learn and grow, you know, like it's, it really took me the, so the second, uh, uh, ayahuasca experience that really solidified it for me that I wasn't going to go back to doing drugs again, you know, Why was um, that? that was <laughs> because they really laid out everything flat of how I hurt the people that love me most, you know, like, um, everybody that I really cared about, I had, I had offended to the point they didn't want nothing to do with me when they loved me so much, you know? And I just realized I've hurt everybody in my life that cared about me, you know? And it's like, and it, and it really made it real for me. Where it's like, oh, this in tears. I was like, I can't believe I was this person. I can't believe this person. I could never go back to being that kind of person, you know? So it really, like, it really opened that up to me, you know? And, and yeah, and it just, you know, it just, little by little, it just, you know, it just helps you grow, helps you overcome all these things that are holding you back, you know? And, and that's why I feel like, uh, you know, most people, that's the thing that I hate most is that everything is, everything is, uh, has to be, uh, a, a diagnosis now, you know, like, oh, you have autism and, uh, this is, you're on this autism spectrum and, oh, no, you have, uh, um, no, you, you know, you have, uh, uh, what's that called? I met a girl who had this and it was like, uh, you know, a borderline personality disorder, you know, uh, there's no way it could be that you're just a spoiled little brat, you know, acting out, right. You know? Oh, no, this, no, no, you have sports, no, you have borderline personality disorder, you know, uh, all our parents are perfect, right, all our parents are perfect, and this is actually, uh, you know, this is actually some condition you have of a chemical imbalance, even though we can't even measure your chemicals, and look, I've, you know, I've, I've been to psychiatry before, and never once did they ever put anything in my head to measure a chemical I had, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, how, so, it's, it's very clear to me that it's just all, it's all spiritual, it's all in here, you know, with our spirit that we are not in tune with, that if we were to actually know ourselves and, and know who we truly are, we would stop a lot of these things. You know, we would we would uh, help to get these things. And, and uh, a lot of times, and, and ayahuasca is that tool to help you overcome. You know, uh, and I I would give it to anybody who has any kind of mental affliction. You know, at least at least if you're somebody who is really desperate, give it a shot. You know, because like I was super desperate, and it and it completely revolutionized my life. You know, why couldn't you get? to the realizations without it. I wasn't strong enough. I was a weak person, you know. In what way? In in mentally, mentally weak, uh like just uh, my will. Sit I, I guess what I'm thinking is like to I mean, sit there with your by yourself, whatever, like lock yourself in a closet for solitary confinement style, fifteen hours I'm not going to do anything else but be alone inside. No, it's like your see the thing about psychedelics is that your mindset and your view is changed. You know, like your understanding of things. It's like saying, it's like have you ever um, you know how can I explain it? How can I be like okay? I remember when I was learning how to add and subtract in kindergarten, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, and I didn't know how, but all of a sudden, it just made sense to me, right? It was like, oh, it just clicked, right? Yeah. And what was missing in my life where it's like the ayahuasca made everything just click. Make everything made sense in a way that I couldn't see it before. Why? I don't know. I was too selfish. Oh, uh, maybe, you know. But eventually things that ayahuasca made things make sense in a in a in a in such a real way that I could understand and that I couldn't deny, you know. And so and so and that's and that's how I feel it helped, you know. Yeah, and, and dude, I'm not trying to shit on the experience in any way. Yeah. Um, so I, if I come across that way, I really don't mean no, to no, no. be. Yeah. Um, I'm just super curious about the discipline because it's like, 
you could argue, or one could argue, if I want to take myself out of it, that the ayahuasca replaces a pill, although it seems like the pill is more of a steady daily medication yeah. versus an ayahuasca experience that you would not have to repeat, that it's legitimately life-changing. Yes. Yep. Am I, am I thinking um, about that the right way? Yeah. And so, like, you know, the ayahuasca, so that's how I, I would, that's exactly how it is because, you know, you, these, the pills, like, for, for these disorders, you know, uh, that people have, they don't cure anything. Yeah, you right? gotta maintain, dude. It's like I—I I don't know if you're dealing with this, but like yeah. my hair, I've got—I've got decent hair, but I'm like thinning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you I'm know what I'm it. saying? And like you hear these, you hear these. Oh man, get this spray, and you're great. Go with hymns, and you're like, oh cool. So I'm yeah, gonna no. spray my hair for the next if I live 50 more years every fucking day. Like I can't yeah. just do something <laughs> for three months, and all of a sudden my hair's thicker. It, it's a constant, yeah. I'm going to have to be a consumer of you. Right, exactly. And I feel like yeah. prescriptions are yeah. the same way. It's and like, yeah, your cholesterol shit. Okay, cool. Consume this for the rest of your life versus, hey, man, just like walk more. Or you know what? And, and that's, the, you know, that, that's the one thing that people that – um, I'll tell you what, though, ayahuasca is used for all of that. Uh, people who have people on Amazon who have uh, illness or ailments that shaman will give them ayahuasca. First of all, to be able so the shaman can see what's going on with them, and then second of all, so that the medicine can work on their body, right? Because uh, the the shaman is so in tune with the tea, with the spirit, with the ayahuasca, that he uses it like like if it's the tools a doctor will use to to fix you. You know, that's how in tune they are with the with the plant. Uh, I haven't gone to that kind of level yet. Kind of near when when I was really practicing the diet and, re, and giving this to other people, I could join them in their experience for sure. Oh, I would know shit. where they were at in their trip. Yeah, stop, yeah. dude. You were like yeah. basically a shaman. No, 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 no. I wouldn't put myself at that, but I was like, but I had the desire to you help use this to help people, right? So like my cousin, to my cousin, okay. But I, when I was practicing the diet and really in the whole thing. I could take the tea with you and I could help be there on your show. Like I would know, okay, he's going through a, 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 a you know, a, a peak right now, you know, or because an event, and also it comes in waves. So I would know, okay, the first wave is over, you know, like, uh, and here comes the next wave, you know, I would know that and we'd be in sync like that, you know? And yeah. So like I would, so I could help you like be prepared, you know, like uh calm, bring calmness over it, you know? Yeah. That sounds and, exactly like what a shaman's supposed to do. Why are you yeah. like hesitant to say <laughs> I was a shaman? Well, because, because uh, a shaman has dedicated his life and obviously, Oh, that's the other one. No alcohol for the, for the, uh, for the, uh, the diet. And there's no alcohol either. And obviously I have a great whiskey collection right now and all that. So, uh, you know, like I, I haven't dedicated my life to it, even though I, I appreciate it and I enjoy it and I want to help other people with it, you know, like, uh, maybe eventually I will get to that point if I'm able to, but right now, like my mission is to like bring this, um, to the forefront for people and to warn people too, of what's happening in other places with like Portland with it, you know, where it's like, I don't trust it at all. You know what? There are those people up there. What do you mean, don't trust Portland? <laughs> well, it's very easily... Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you, you live in in Delaware? Yeah, man, East Coast. Okay. And I'm well, a boomer. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of Portland and the people that live up there, you know? Uh, like, the what the city's become, you know? Dude, like, you uh, don't know if you can... 
you get news clips yeah. and you realize news clips yeah. they're they're meant to be fear well it's not well i mean you know the the the, the main the, what i have come to see is that the main identity they have up there is being like this um completely opposite of what you should be desiring for the people around you you know uh and violent um and, and all that so you have these people that are now you have these people that are now that now hold papers that say they're a psychologist right with, with this mentality and now they're gonna start using psychedelics on people because they're they're a psych because they're a psychologist and then and they've gotten permission from the government to do this um if if i wanted to i could give you about five grams of shrooms and i could manipulate you throughout your whole trip right into thinking how i want you to think because you're new to it you don't your 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 mind is like you know it's opened to influence right because right. it's you're it's trying to influence you right and i could very easily manipulate you into like oh this is what your trip means and this is what you should be thinking this is what you know uh especially if i'm very if i'm very um uh experienced with them and i just that's what i fear that these people will start to do like uh, um they have an agenda they want to push it and they can use psychedelics to help people convince people to think how they think because how it should be is you shouldn't explain to anybody what their trip means. It's for them to figure out. You know, that's for them. They're, you should you're supposed to leave them alone and let them and, and you know keep calm over the thing. But but you're not supposed to interfere with their trip at all. You know, and so I just don't trust that that's going to be respected. I also don't tr don't trust the fact that they want to make it into like a pill, right? Like where the, they call it the microdosing. You know, microdosing I can see has its purpose, but. At the same time, there's people out there that need the high dose, right? They in order to have their their trip to like understand something, and instead of they're they're gonna it's gonna be controlled and prescribed by some doctors. Like, no, only take this much. Okay, don't do any more than that. You know, you know what I mean. Uh, so that's what I feel like. Gonna, that's what I. I mean, I mean, that's so what I feel is gonna start happening. It's some yeah, it's gonna become type shit. Where yeah, why, yeah. Why can't and you instead of letting, it, it, it's something that you're supposed to give people and let them go their own way with it, uh, and hope. And if but, they need your help, you know, help so them. It isn't the I guess the counter to that when you're reducing or you're boiling your own ayahuasca, you're you know. por you're portioning it by de facto, right? Like you. So, well, the thing is. But you're not limiting, you know so if you take a sip and all of a sudden you're not feeling it, you're able to take another sip, another sip, another sip versus well, if it's it's a, a pill. it takes a half hour to kick in at least, you know. Okay. Well, and I guess so, I'm trying like to I understand said, the limiting. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing is they, they know how much – like in the Amazon, they know how much leaves they need to put in. They know how much of the copy they need to put in in order for to have the experience. There is no microdosing ayahuasca. There's no, it just doesn't exist. There's no way to do it. Okay. It's like the, the DMT is too strong in order to be microdosed. It'd be like, I mean, I just don't, and, it, and it, you, you don't, you can't control how much potency your ingredients have, you know? Um, so, but you can microdose shrooms because shrooms is a lot more, uh, able to be controlled in that way because you got your, you know, you got your one gram, two gram, three gram, four gram, five gram doses and up and up and up and up. Um, but with ayahuasca, ayahuasca is not like that. And honestly, it, it, it couldn't, it, it, ayahuasca is the one thing that couldn't be controlled like that. It just either it will, it wouldn't even work. Like if you don't give enough person enough, it's not going to work for them. You know, it's just going to make oh. them sick, you know? Um, so 
that one's a little more hard to control and a little and it's a little more hard to convince people to do it because of how bad it tastes the throwing up the diarrhea sometimes so in some cases you know people don't want to go through that which you don't get any of that in a shroom with shrooms right however you can take enough shrooms that i've taken enough shrooms where it's like even more intense than ayahuasca experience you know yeah really? so uh yeah so um which is which is what people are afraid of right and so i, I like i tell my friends i can see microdosing beneficial as pain management because every, if you do shrooms and you're having like a broken arm it's like your pain's gonna go away like you're not gonna feel it's not gonna hurt and so that's how i feel like because um you know people are doing weed now for that right uh for pain management yeah we'll do and i just feel like yeah and i just feel like you know what um like me personally like i said i've never been into weed but i know people who do do weed and like you could do weed for all day you do weed all day every day right and and uh and for pain management right and there's some people who do and i you know like that's all they all they do is smoke weed all day because to manage the pain right where it's like you don't need to do that with shrooms you could just take a few micro micrograms to help with the pain and, and you don't have to trip out, you know, and even if, and if you were to do too much, then you would have a trip, which you don't like, and you would, and you wouldn't stop you from doing that the next time. Right. You know, so that's why I feel like I can understand a microdosing in that sense. <clears throat> but, um, but as far as like trying to microdose a psychedelic experience, that's, you can't do that. Like you just, it's not, you know, that's not what it's meant for. I believe. What made you take shrooms if you have this like ayahuasca access? Well, because it's much easier. Shrooms are so much easier. And not only that, but it's like, it's like um, you know, okay, I did ayahuasca. I've tried LSD. Now I need to try shrooms, you know. And so, uh, again, again, Terrence McKenna, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with him. Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's passed away now a while back from a brain cancer. But he was like the leader in psychedelic information, right? Mainly through trial and error, you know. Um, so he's like every everybody in the psychedelic community knows Terrence McKenna. We all have a huge respect for him because he's really the one that like um, helped us to understand the dosages, helped us to understand um, what each plant does. How, you know, because um, there's so many psychedelic plants out there. You know, but especially with shrooms, he's the one that says well, for every shroom that that's out there because there's so many variants, there's so many different uh, you know species of shrooms. Um, the the dosage you're supposed to do in order to really understand that mushroom is five grams. So wait, yeah, uh, okay. The, the, five, the five gram dosage that's the, that's the real dose. Everything else is just a party. Like you're just you're just having for fun. But oh, if you want yeah. the real experience of what that mushroom has to offer, you do five grams. And I can tell you for I can tell you through experience that it's very right. There's a threshold that's crossed between doing four and five grams. You know. Uh, what you what you get at four grams a threat a threshold is crossed at five where it becomes very similar to an ayahuasca experience if not if not as much the same as an ayahuasca experience so is that a bad thing no it's a good thing um <laughs> yeah no it's a good thing because you can actually have a very like in-depth experience uh without having to suffer the vomiting and the medicine however uh, Okay. It is still very different. It is still very different. You actually have like um, you can actually feel the feminine energy, like a mom helping you through a cold. You know, when you're doing ayahuasca, 
you know you, you feel cared for you can feel the the love there you know not, not that you can't feel that with with mushrooms but it's just as much as much a five gram trip is very similar it's also doesn't compare at all you know uh which so yeah that's how i would describe it is like ayahuasca is the medicine okay no ayahuasca is like the surgery and shrooms can be like the 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 you know the, the pills you gotta take after to help you keep recuperating you know yeah did you have any revelations or like different revelations on mushrooms on shrooms yeah um life and death revelations for sure yeah what do you mean life or death well um it, honestly i think shrooms is what really brought me back to believing in god again and believing in the spirit believing in like the afterlife um because i had become like atheist for a while especially after being a jehovah's witness you know and as much as I, I learned from the ayahuasca, it really didn't bring God back to the forefront for me like like shrooms did, you know. Um, like shrooms really opened up my eyes. Where it's like, uh, uh, in a sense, where well, I'll give you the I'll give you the story. Um, for me, it was always about I want to do the most, right? <laughs> I want I don't want to just experience shrooms like ordinary people experience shrooms. I want to experience shrooms the way the, 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 the legends and psychedelics have experienced it, right? <laughs> you know, like the way Graham Hatt and the way uh, Terrence McKenna did. And there's this man called, um, you know, I'm going to have to look his name up again because he actually passed away during COVID. And his name was uh, uh, Kilindi E. Uh, K-I-L-I-N-D-I, last name E. I-Y-I. And he's very famous for talking about his, he's an African, he's a, a black man. Uh, and he talks about how he's very in touch with the way the Africans do the mushrooms up there. And he talks about the 30 gram dosages of mushrooms, <clears throat> which is like unheard of pretty much. You know, nobody does 30 grams. Like people, people hardly ever do five grams. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to try it. So when I had the opportunity and the money, I bought 30 grams of mushrooms and I went to my room and I did them. And it was the most crazy experience I've ever been through. Um, I, honestly, I can't remember the beginning because I know I passed out at some point because I woke up on the floor still tripping very hard. And I, when I woke up on the floor, I had no idea where I was, who I was, what I was. I didn't even know I was human. I was like a formless thing in, in, a, in the ether. You, you said know, like 30 grams. Did I hear that right? Yeah, 30 grams. Yeah. Of shrooms at one time. <laughs> Yes, at one time, yeah. To the five gram rule of. <laughs> yeah, the five grams is where you should start. 30 gram, anything up in that is like, you're just, you know, it's up to you. Had you, know? you built up your but, tolerance but, or that was like first no, time going no, after it? No, no. Um, yeah, honestly, I feel like if I ever, ever do that again, I would go like, okay, let's start at five, 10, 15, 20. You know, not just do 30 grams at one time. It was, it honestly, was too much for me. Uh, but Dude, I, like I told you when I, when I, in? yeah. What was that? You just dove in the deep end. There was no yeah. slow buildup. No slow buildup. I just did it. I just Holy ate it. Shit. Yeah. Um, and so that's over an ounce of shrooms. You know, <laughs> it's over not so. Yeah, it's a lot. But the, the, like I said, the only reason why, and I hope if anybody listens to this, I hope they go look him up. His name uh, again. His name is Kilindi E. And like I said, he passed away during COVID. Very sad. But he has his talks about 30 gram dosages and 40 gram, 50 gram dosages that people will do. And uh, yeah, it's super. I, so like, like I said, when I did it, it was like the most intense, crazy thing I've ever experienced. Like I said, I, so when I came to 
I was on the floor, but I didn't know where I was. I was, like I said, I was like in nothingness. And I didn't know who I was, what my name was. I didn't know if I was human or what. Eventually, everything is... And so, the way I describe it to people, I think like I was actually being born again, you know? The way a baby is like in the mother's womb with not knowing where they are, who they are, what they are, you know, until they're born again. But eventually I, I made it to like heaven, right? And I was, and I start, and I saw myself like as a greeter to people who heard that had died tragically, like in airplane accidents. And I was there to tell them, hey, don't worry, everything's gonna be okay, you're fine. Um, I saw people in more, I, I suffered people's motorcycle accidents. I, I kid you not. I saw pavement. I felt the pavement. I felt glass. I saw the blood. I felt, I saw the cops come. I saw the ambulance pick me up. I saw death over and over and over again of different people dying in horrific ways. And me just being there to tell them, Hey, it's okay. Like, you're good. Like, don't worry. Like you're, you're fine. It's okay. Don't be scared. I like that. And, it was, and I was very emotional. And I was like, and I, and that's, and it still gets to me today. It's like, I realized like when, when our time comes, we're going to be okay. I've seen it. I've felt it. I've experienced it. And, and it was so real. It was like, so real. Like it was in my room, Dude. but I, but I wasn't in my room, you know, it was like, <laughs> I was like there, wherever the experience was, I was there, you know? Why, Yeah. why do you think that was your role? But that was my what? That was your role. Like why? No, well, I, that's what I saw. That's what I. That's what I. That's what it showed me. That, like, that, I, like if I was a greeter there, like telling people not to worry, no, like you're okay. You know? yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's what I. Oh, I, I guess don't know. I'm looking at yeah. it from there's some like master puppeteer that yeah. put you in that yeah. position of greeter versus the position of you've died and you're passing over versus the position of whatever uh, hundreds of choices could be made. Right. So like, I don't know. You know. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like the more I go through my life, the more I'll understand it. You know, uh, the more I mean, see, like my goal right now, my goal in life is to one day be like that person who is able to help people with ayahuasca yeah, and with, you know, it, dude, um, that's where I want to like be, it. but it's like, but you know, that all that takes money, all that takes uh, time. And you know what? I'll, t I'll tell you this much though. And this is, uh, and this is another reason why, how you'll be able to find the people who really care and the people who really don't. My goal is to make it free. Okay. Because the people who really want to help you, the people who really care will never charge you for it. will never yeah. try to make a profit off of it. They will give it to you free of charge, uh, when expecting nothing in return. And that's my, that's what I want is to be able to do this in a way where it's like, I don't, nobody has to pay for it. Nobody has to, you know, feel like, oh, I need this much money to go here and to do this, you know? Uh, and if you watch, I, and I, if you look up in the Amazon, that's, that's when people go down there looking for real shamans, that's the one thing they tell them. The real ones don't charge you anything. Hmm. You know? They just give it to you. you know? Really? Yeah. You know, the, the, the people, I mean, it's become an industry out there, you know, like with the, okay. with the way Westerners want to go out there, you know, I mean, there's, man, I mean, if, if you were out there living that life and you, you saw a way to make money, I mean, more power to them, you know, if they want to charge people, you know, but like I said, the, I want to be a real one. I want to be a real, a real helper in this world where it's like, you don't have to come, you can get it for free, you know, like you, this is, this is free for everyone, you know, that's how it should be. And that's, and that's, and that's where it should be. It shouldn't be regulated. It shouldn't be um uh up to the uh, what a doctor tells you it should be here you are you know get better get help you know yeah uh, so would it another stupid question would it be illegal for you to make your own ayahuasca and then invite it has people to be, over it, it has to be done in a religious setting so you just have to start your own religion yeah 
Oh, dude, Other that's that. fucking so easy. Oh my god, you could <laughs> yeah. no, 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 legitimately. So, not to plug my own podcast. Um, yeah. Have you heard of the After School Satan Club? I've heard of that. Yeah. Okay, so the founder came on my pod. Like, oh really? Uh, yeah, dude. A year ago, when I when wow. I heard what they were doing, I was like, "Yo, I gotta fucking talk to you." And they yeah. came on. Has an amazing story. But what I took away from that was, do you know the Satan Club? One of the requirements to be a federally recognized religion is that you don't actually have to recognize a god. Yeah. Like, I, I know what you say that, like, yeah, like, I know that. Like, dude, that blew my yeah. fucking mind. No. Like, you um, could be yeah. a federally recognized religion and not yeah. actually have a deity that you... Yeah. That that, that, that um, you claim is God. Well, you know, like, well, so there's a, there's actually a religion... Oh, man, I can't even remember it. But they were in the hot seat, and actually it was a Supreme... The Supreme Court is the one that actually told them that they could drink ayahuasca as a religious... As part of their religious... Uh, 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 oh, tradition. What, uh, I forget that? what their name is. They're they're a nationwide church, a worldwide church now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and for the life of me, I can't remember what it's called. Dude. But they do ayahuasca ceremonies, yeah. yeah. And um, but and that's the only reason they were able to get away with it because uh, you know, because because ob obviously it's DMT and all as a as a schedule was one three substance for the DEA. Uh, mushrooms are still illegal, pretty much federally with DEA. Um. So why not start your own religion, man? Um, you know, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's, uh, my life's not there yet. You know, I, I'm, I'm still, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because in 2020, when the whole pandemic started, I had no wife, I had no son. Right. And my goal was like, you know what, this, this place is going to shit. I'm going to go and, uh, get a job teaching English in Peru with my goal of finally making my way into the Amazon somehow and just living my life as a, to become a shaman, you know? And I was in a, and I was, that's, and that's where my life would take me, and that's where my life would end, right? As uh, eventually that'd be my goal. But, you know, the way life worked out is where I got married, I got a kid, um, you know, and they need me, you know? And so, and, and, you know, my, my, my uh, relationship with God is, a, is with such a thing where it's like, I wouldn't, I couldn't start religion without including Him in it, you know? It's like, um, I just feel like, you know, uh, I don't know. Why I guess I would, would need to talk. I guess I would need to uh, to think about it on, uh, you know, do some shrooms and think about it, <laughs> you know, to really get some clarity. But I just I don't feel like that's what, that's the thing. I don't feel I have the clarity right now to do it. You know, okay. yeah, I don't feel I have. I feel like, um, like I said, I have my own business. I'm like constantly working, uh, and you know, maybe maybe that'll all have to end. You know, in order to reach reach my goals. But it's like I you know I I have a family to take care of right now. I gotta do that. Maybe you know, and I I. One thing I've learned is that you got to let life present itself, you know? You can't force anything in this life because when you force it, I mean, it doesn't work out. And when you let life just happen, that's when things happen, uh, you know, naturally uh, and and in the best way because it happens, you know, um, you know, just without having to force it, you know? It's yeah, like, like, I, I want this now, you know? Yeah. Fate. Yeah. fate. Believing so, in the universe, believing in fate. Yeah. Dude, that, but you, I don't know, man, maybe this is, maybe I am the universe <laughs> telling you yeah. but it's it the way you speak and um not only the knowledge but just the 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 passion behind it i'm like why shouldn't you be able to and i i don't want anybody to die but i don't think people yeah. would die or go psychotic 
even if you fucked up, I guess that's what I'm looking at. Like, even if you fucked up a batch, does somebody go psychotic to the point that they are straight jacket, padded room <laughs> type shit? Like, can that happen? It might seem like it. It might seem like it. But, but no, the thing is, the shaman, the shaman is supposed to have control of the room. No, no, I'm talking and about so like his... permanently. You're altering their brain. Oh no! So no, they're in a no. sustained level of psychosis. Oh, trust, trust me. That 30 gram dosage, I thought it was done. I thought I was like, this is it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I've ruined my life. Uh, I'm, I'm fucked. Uh, I honestly, I thought I was. I honestly, I thought this is it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy now. Like, this is. I, I am so stupid. Why did I do this? People are gonna come in. They're gonna see me <laughs> like this, and they're gonna think I'm. And the cops are gonna come and take me away. And like I have no, I'm gonna lose everything. Uh, you think that you think of that, but eventually the trip ends. Uh, you go to sleep. You start. You eat. You eat, you eat a meal. Yeah. And you know. So and if, if there's no con, it's not like a surgeon where fuck, I really fucked up that suture. Oh my god, this ventricle yeah, no, is gonna no. pop. You know, like you have to have control of the room. And yeah, but uh, I've seen it. I've seen it. People are sorry, acting crazy. A friend almost broke a TV. You know, like uh, like she was like yelling and like if it was like dude, like this is not good. So I, I you have to take control of the room again. You have to like settle everything down, and that's why you have your. Your um the hymns you know like the uh, the the ikaros that they're all they're called in in Peru where it's like they're ayahuasca songs they're meant to be to be played during the experience to help people stay relaxed Sorry. or calm and and to move the spirit you know around like that you know the what to like so the experience stays centered you know yeah. um and if all that's missing then you're gonna have situations like that where people are just like going you know. Uh, you know uh, hanging from the chandeliers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is like there's no red kool-aid white sneakers well, everybody's well, fucking know, dead the thing is people have died people have died because they either they were like i said they were not they were doing oh. drugs before the day right before you know or they were like they were not supposed to be given to them and the, and, the, and they gave it to them and they died you know it has happened and you know you can't say it hasn't happened but you know and, and death is seen as such an ugly thing today that it's like when those things happen it's like all the responsibility is just pushed on the person who gave it to them yeah. and rightly so i guess because you they are the final they are the final word and who gets to eat and drink it you know um but at the same time it's like you know the the, the responsibility and the, and the lives we choose our, our choices also matter you know yeah. uh so if you're there and you're pestering and you're like give it to me give it to me and they give it to you then you have to also take responsibility for it i see you know and accept your fate as that you passed on you know almost like a bartender i wonder like yeah. <laughs> I, for some reason when you're like um, um it's about the supplier being responsible i think of did michael jackson's doctor actually go to jail do you remember? I know that? he got in trouble for sure. I think he did actually. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, but maybe that's well, it's the reason. Seemed. Maybe that's the. But reason you know what? Why. When it's when it's done exactly how it's supposed to be done, you're not gonna have an issue. No. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That's um, man, that that was uh interesting. Was there something about psychedelics that we didn't get into, Johnny? <laughs> You know, like I said, my my main thing now, and especially with that post, is that I like I see I. And unfortunately, it's going to be something that we can't stop because, like I said, this world is going in a direction where um, who you trust has to have a paper, has to have a college degree, you know. And so if you don't have it, who are you to talk, you know? So, you know, I think that. Uh, no, sorry to cut you off, man, but I no, would push back 
the paper is not who you trust. The paper is who you get reimbursed from. So right, as long yeah. as you're dependent on an insurance system that needs documentation yeah. for your copay or to keep you from paying the full, yeah. then they've yeah. got to be certified. But if it's well, someone but you know like, what? There's like those, there's like those friends, right, that you have, and it's like you go and talk to them about all your problems, and yeah. and they like, oh man, you give the best advice, you know, you give the best advice, but they don't, but they don't actually make any changes until they go talk to the psychiatrist and the psychologist, and then they're like, oh, I'm starting to do this, I'm starting to do that, you know, and it's like, well, why didn't you listen to your friend? You know, your friend <laughs> told you the same thing, you know. Yeah. And it's be, and it's all a mental thing, I think. It's like, well, because you know that that person is an authority figure on the matter. You really, your 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 mind is more open to actually absorbing what they have to say, and like yeah. actually, you know, it's it's really that's really what it boils down to. It's like if people, and rightly so, there's people who are seen, and especially, I mean, obviously, there's some industries where you need to be an authority figure on what you're talking about, you know. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times, like when it comes to psychedelics, it's not a science. It's all spiritual. You know, there is no there is no science behind it. You can't understand it because it's another realm. It's another world. It's another, you know, it, it's beyond human. It's beyond it's beyond this physical realm here. And so to try and like measure it, map it out, you know, uh, map it out, you know, do an equation to explain how you can help people with the with the mushrooms, it doesn't exist. You know, it, it's it's the experience that they have to go through. You know, it's uh, that's what it is, and, and it's unexplainable. And so to want to boil it down to like uh, A square plus B square equals C square, that it just doesn't work that way, you know. And and that like I said, and and again, there's going to be people out there that are going to take advantage of it to like make people see things a certain way to benefit what their uh, agenda is, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that and that's and that's why I'm saying like because um, eventually what's going to happen is that. It, 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 like I said, I can see it happening now. It's like people like me are going to be told, don't even listen to them because you need you, the only people you can trust are, are, are these people who have gone to school for it. You know, you know, like, why would you trust them? It's like, you know, it's like these people that sell like these herb, these herbal remedies, you know, and they're like, oh, why would you listen to them? Go to a real doctor, you know, <laughs> even yeah. though if the, the diet they're telling you to take might fix all your ailment, you know. Right, right. You know, so, Yeah. So, you know, that's that's where I fear and I, I and that's where I want to get the word out to people. It's like, I, hey, you know, like um you need to just experience this for yourself without the interference of like a medical uh uh you know, uh, uh what do they call that um uh, sterilized environment, you know. It's like, <laughs> right? So, like you need to just experience it and go to the go to the be in the be in the dark and with no sound in your own room. And, and take the mushrooms and then see what it does for you or take the ayahuasca. That's the other big thing is that you're supposed to do, all, if you do the five grams and up, you should be in total darkness, total quiet, so that you can have everything laid out in front of you without having to close your eyes. Uh, really? Yeah. 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 As long as you're in darkness, the visions will come. Yeah. They'll be laid out with you. you know? huh. Yeah. Dude, th- this was um a really enjoyable conversation man i yeah, man, no, been really fun, yeah. Uh, yeah dude i had no idea um you would i, I had no idea you <laughs> dealt with the like meth addiction um and overcame it which is awesome i had no idea we would get into um psychedelics in that kind of depth either yeah and i don't know dude i don't know why it's in my spirit i just feel like in five years i'm gonna take a cross-country trip during summer <laughs> break to like yeah. heal my own soul 
<laughs> yeah. And you're going to be like, yeah, my man, come, on, come on down, you know, we'll, 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 it's nothing better than to trip with a friend, you know, the, to experience it with a, with someone, you know, and, and that, you know, cares about what they're doing, you know? Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. No, yeah, man. <laughs> um, dude, thank you yeah. so much, Johnny, for, um, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I was getting late and I think my wife is wondering why I haven't called her. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, man, it was really fun and I hope, you know, we can get people to hear it. And to uh, see the other side of things and see how we can really help people, you know, with uh, tragic experiences, you know. Um, yeah. uh, dude, that's what the science is pointing to is like um, all, yeah. all the vets with PTSD. It's like, man, we can heal yeah. your trauma yeah. with a psychedelic. But experience. like, like I said, PTSD cannot be cured with the microdose. I'm sorry. I just I, I can't. You got to you got to go through the whole way. You can't half ass it. You know, you gotta, you gotta go, you know, it's like, it's like trying to say, uh, aspirin is going to cure my, uh, you know, my, my, my artery that's clogged, you know, uh, no, you gotta go all the way with it. You gotta get the surgery, you know, you gotta, you can't just fix it with the pill, you know, or else you're on the pill for forever. Yeah. You know, gotcha. Anyways, well, Sean, uh, really appreciate your, uh, this opportunity. I'm I'm glad you reached out back out to me. It was really fun. Um, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Completely me too, man. It was, uh, Trippy ass conversation. I enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, you know what? If anybody, whoever listens to this, and they want to reach out to me, you know, like uh, you know, Instagram, uh, I believe it's uh, Jonathan O. Uh, or reach, or they can reach out to you, and you can pass them along my info. Yeah, you dude. Know? And I'm sorry, I should have said that. Um, all contact info will be in the description, and I should have told you yeah, that. My so, phone number, my uh, so, so you know, on my on personal page, there's also my phone number, which is my business number. And so if people want to call in and, and talk to me or need help or anything, I can hook them up, you know, Dude, that's I can help awesome. them like, talk or, or, you know, even uh, help them obtain whatever they need to help them get through what they're going through. Gotcha. Good call, man. Yeah. Good call. All right, dude. Enjoy the rest of your night and I'll make sure your All wife right. does not hate you. I'm not your yeah. side chick. <laughs> Tell her. Be like, yo, I was with Sean, not my side chick. Yeah. <laughs> all right yeah and let me know when the, when it'll be up so i can just pass it along oh dude for sure yeah within a week <laughs> okay sounds good thank all you right, brother man. good night Bye. Yeah. huge thanks to andre psyche for supporting the getting to know you pod homeboy's been down since just about day one if you have not already search him up andre psyche on social media give my man a follow for the fuck of it please almost more importantly Do not forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. Five stars, five stars, five stars. If you have not already, continue with your gracious clicking, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And if you're feeling super generous, as in that ching-ching monetary type, go to our Patreon and support the pod for as little as $2 a month. Oh yeah, and if you know anyone who'd like to be a guest on the pod, Go ahead and send their contact info our way. Slide them up into my DMs. Later.